Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Opinion line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. 1857-15996 is the number to call. The text to the WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Just said to the lads as they came in there at 5 to 9, what a weekend! Or should I say, what? A weekend? It's another one, and there will be many more. But I suppose if we're all safe and healthy at the end of it, that's what it's all about. More on uh, coronavirus and what we've learned in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, where we might be going over the next couple of weeks and months. What will happen uh, after the 5th of April, because no one really knows what the experts think should happen after the 5th of April. You see there in the news, uh, the pubs might not open again until Christmas. They're definitely saying that in the UK this morning. Some of the papers in Britain reporting the pubs over there might not get to reopen until Christmas. Uh, September being mentioned as a possible opening date for some of the pubs in Ireland. And they're saying, lads, we won't be here. We won't be here if that's what happens. So look at all those things and plenty more uh, throughout the course of the morning. But first of all, I want to call in our senior news correspondent, uh, Fiona Corcoran, because, Fiona, we have two major local news stories today that are not corona-related, but one of them is a very cynical, very nasty burglary. Two men appeared in court. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. That's right. There was a special sitting of Cork District Court yesterday evening where two men were charged with uh, five charges of burglary in Cork City. Those two men were 44-year-old Anthony Horgan and 27-year-old Christopher Jones, both of no fixed abode. And they were charged with burglaries at houses at High Street, Frankfield Villas, O'Connorville and Tyrone Place in Cork, all in the night of April 16th, 17th. 
Um, now the state alleges that they broke into these houses by popping the front door locks and the houses were occupied at the time. And the state is also alleging that in one of these cases, an 83-year-old woman was sleeping in her downstairs bedroom and when she wo- and she woke up with two men in the room and they told her that, uh, well, the state alleges that these two men told the 83-year-old woman that there had been a, a reports of burglaries in the area and they asked her um, if, she, if there was anywhere in the house where she kept cash and she directed them to an area where she did have cash and they stole €2,700 and £80 sterling. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the state is also alleging in this case that, um, that Gardaí got CCTV footage from the area and saw two uh, men who matched the description of these men and um, the, these men, the, the two men who appeared in court yesterday were wearing mm-hmm. clothes at the time that matched what was seen um, by on wearing or that the two men were wearing on the CCTV footage. So they were brought to court yesterday. Now they they had applied for bail, but the judge um, agreed with the state in this case that there was a risk that they may skip bail. So um, or that the, one that he may have, um, be a flight risk, and the other was that um, he may uh, commit serious more serious offences. Yeah. He um, uh, he agreed to have them remanded in custody until Wednesday when they will appear in court again via video link. Okay, okay. Now today also, Fiona, we have the sentencing of the young man who killed Cameron Blair. Now that was, that that, that hearing was earlier in the month, but sentencing was put back until today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We all know that Cameron Blair was a 20-year-old CIT student and he was stabbed in the neck outside uh, a house on uh, Bandon Road in Cork City back in January and um, a 17-year-old man had been arrested and charged and he later pleaded guilty to a charge of murder. And he is being sentenced at the Central Criminal Court, which is sitting in Dublin today. Now, the sentencing hearing the last day was also in Dublin. And um, we heard for the first time some um, details of what happened on that night. And um, we heard that there was a house party at that house in the Bandon Road and that... um, the the 17 year old who was accompanied by two other teenagers and a homeless man had wanted to gain entry to the party and it was actually Cameron Blair who had agreed to allow them into the party and later on um they a fight broke out and and it was again Cameron Blair who was um described in court as being the peacemaker in that row mm. and at some point um the 17 year old um, had a knife with him and he went over and he stabbed Cameron Blair in the neck. Now, I think he had um, been under the impression that his friend was going to be assaulted in some way. And uh, we heard, which was very upsetting to hear, that Cameron Blair didn't even know he had been stabbed yeah. and he had said to his friends, don't worry, lad. Um, and, and that was his last words to yeah. his friends. I, I don't want him. to be fighting, he said. Yeah. I don't want to be fighting, yes. Um, and... Uh, you know, his, his parents and his brother had been in court for that hearing and had all made very impactful victim impact statements. Yeah. And, you know, his mother had spoken about how, you know, she cries out his name all the time. And his brother had been talking about going to the graveside every day. And they just are in total shock. And, you know, this only happened back in January. So I suppose they're they're still in shock and, um, you know, maybe 
after today they'll be able to put this side of things behind them but um, that sentencing hearing now is at, uh, due to take place at 2 o'clock today in the Central Criminal Court in Dublin Okay, we'll follow up on that uh, throughout the course of the day. Thank you Fiona Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Actually just going back to the victim impact statements that were given out in court on that day, Cameron's mother, uh, Cathy said, often when I'm alone in the house, I scream at the injustice of this. How could someone so cruelly take the life of our beautiful boy? Why has this happened to our family? We're not bad people. When I go into his bedroom, I cry at the sight of his empty bed, the unfinished book on the locker, phone credit and a voucher on his table, Christmas presents he never got to use. Since Cameron's untimely and senseless death, I'm no longer living. I simply exist. And his dad, Noel, said the ripple effect of his son's mother murder had been felt far and wide. The death of your child is described as the ultimate grief. Unfortunately, he said, I now know this to be true. That sentencing is this afternoon, 2 o'clock, at the Central Criminal Court in Dublin. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open every day for all your laundry needs. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Takeover. On Courts 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Fire off, fire off. The takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Corks 96FM. Well, it's around that time of the day, uh, each day now on the Opinion Line, when we look at the numbers. And we're looking at the numbers today in the context that two weeks from today, it's when we're expected to know what happens next. Two weeks from today is the May Bank Holiday Monday. And it's on the 5th of May then that we're supposed to move forward with whatever happens after lockdown. The numbers over the weekend, there's now been 610 people have died uh, in, from COVID-19 or related to COVID-19. Uh, there was another 39 reported last evening. We now have a total of 15,251 confirmed cases in the country, of which the vast, vast majority of them are in Dublin. There's over, well over half the cases are in the Dublin area. Over 50-something percent of the cases are in Dublin. We're next on the list in Cork. We still have around 10%. There's a vast difference between first and second on the table. And, of course, we know just how terrible the nursing homes story is. Something else we'll address, I expect, uh, more as we go forward. But we still believe that on the 5th of April, we would hope, or 5th of May, rather, we would hope to get some release from how we are presently living. Let's look at whether we can or not, or if we can, what we can do. I've spoken many times before to Dr John Lambert, infectious disease specialist based at The Matter in Dublin. John, good morning. Nice to talk to you again. Good morning. The numbers are good, I suppose. They show we're doing what we're being told to do. We have, as the saying now goes, flattened the curve. We seem to have uh, staved off an uncontrollable surge. 
now is the time for anything but complacency, I would say. Yeah, I would agree exactly. And I think uh, credit to the government for closing down the country early as opposed to the UK experience. But we can't compare ourselves to the UK. We have to compare ourselves to ourselves. Uh, so we've done good. There's still a lot of people who have died. There's still outbreaks in the nursing homes. And we have to think about how we can se- successfully open the country up again, release the re- restrictions safely. So that's the next phase. Is it fair, and I was trying to do some analysis of my own over the weekend, Dr. Lambert, is, is it fair to sit down with a piece of paper and separate off the nursing home and care home scenario on one side of a piece of paper and look at the community, if you like, on the other side and say we've got two very different stories happening here? Well, I, th- I think they're intermingled, to be perfectly honest, because the people who are in the nursing homes, I know they're, they're quote-unquote cocooned and stuff, but there's staff members going in and out of those nursing homes, and they're interacting with the community. So, so I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's a challenge. I mean, the WHO has kind of given strict guidance on when you can, you know, consider releasing restrictions, and at the present time, you know, Ireland isn't there, and we need to get there really quickly. We're all eager to release restrictions, but we have to do it properly so that we, so it doesn't backfire. Something else as well I think that we have to accept is that even if we've achieved everything by the 5th of May, which a lot of people believe we may not have, but if we, even if we were to achieve everything by the 5th of May, we can't just open everything up on the 6th. We absolutely can't. We have to, we have to think about what's the, fir- what's the first step and then what's the last thing to do. It. So it has to be done sequentially and all the ducks have to be in a row before we do it. For example, I mean, I, I still get back to the point that what there's, people are going shopping in Dublin and from my standpoint, there's, there's a lot of unsafe practices going on that could be fixed quite quickly and I think they need to be fixed be- before we open up more kind of public uh, public going into uh, locations in the city centre uh, mm. in a safe way. What kind of unsafe things, John? Well, for example, you know, two weeks ago when I, when I went to a grocery store, there's checkout, uh, you know, uh, employees wearing gloves and the same gloves all day, you know, and those gloves, uh, you know, I think that's a bad idea. The WHO has released information that Coke coronavirus can stay on surgical gloves for four to five days. What do you think the chances are that 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 it's it's that possibly that checkout counter individual wearing those gloves, not changing those gloves, could have transmitted something to the the, the checkout uh, in the checkout counter, and then somebody at the end of that checkout counter picks it up. There was no sanitation going in or out of the of the of of the grocery stores when when I looked at it ten ten weeks ago, ten, two weeks ago. I think there needs to be hand sanitizers. There has to be strict education on on the community on what safe practices are. And as of a few days ago, that information wasn't out there. So if we start opening up coffee shops, all, all, you know, all sorts of other you know hospitality facilities, and the people working in those facilities don't have a knowledge of what safe practice. Mm. The WHO also said that, you know, you need to wash down surfaces with 0.1%, you know, hypochloric, you know, which is diluted bleach. Very simply, wash down surfaces. This is a memo from the WHO on the 2nd of April. I don't see that happening. We're doing it in the hospital, but I don't see it happening systematically in the community. Um, So so I think there's a lot of things we need to do um, quickly which can be implemented so that when we do 
release the lockdown, it, it'll be a safe situation rather than a, the, rather than have it backfire. Because when you go into your local shop now, and it doesn't really matter where it is, but every shop has changed, I guess. But I think of my own small local shop where we go for most everything. There's sanitizer at the door, and right. there's something to clean your basket with next to it. Then you are asked to go around the shop in a certain direction to stay the, the required six feet apart. There's perspex up around the, the till where you where you pay for your stuff. You're supposed to wait and go up one by one. Everyone seems fine with that. The, the, you're encouraged to pay by, by, by contactless, which I'll come back to that. What else could be done to make it any safer? That's absolutely the model that we're looking from for. And if you have that happening in your grocery store in Cork, then I think every public facility in Dublin should be replicating that. And at the present time, that's not happening. So so it has to be done systematically, and it has to be mandated by the government, not letting everybody do their own thing. I think that 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 is really an important message. There needs to be leadership, ownership, support uh, for for the communities to be able to implement that kind of a, a service and also provide resources. You know, you, you need to have the hand sanitizers. You need to have supplies, all those kind of things. Whose responsibility is it to do that? Is it all, all the individual, you know, shop owners and this and that? I think it's a joint responsibility. And I think the government and, and the councils should assist in supporting that and support in supervising it. I think it's a really important message. Can I address something I brought up there in the course of that description of my typical shopping trip, which involves contactless. Now, I've become very used to paying with my phone or tapping my card. I rarely carry any cash anyway. But can we clarify something, Dr. Lambert? Is cash, as in five or ten or twenty, is cash dangerous? Can cash carry the virus? Because the World Health Organization has said it doesn't. Well, it's all theoretical. I mean, the, the, the WHO releases... Uh, saying that how long can coronavirus stay in surfaces, and they say it can stay on paper, cardboard for 24 hours. So, so in theory, you know, coronavirus in the right situation, if it's a high enough inoculum, can get in paper and stay there. But no, I think it's highly unlikely that 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 you know that cash, you know, pa- paper currency could transmit it. But 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 I think uh, you know I th- I think we don't know. The, the, this is all. We'll look back someday and we'll we'll be able to analyze it. Right now we're in the middle of a crisis and we just have to do the best we can. Social distance is important. Hand washing is important. You know, all these measures are important. I think they all should be done in parallel, not one versus the other. Because actually the the WHO, and I quoted it, issued a statement about three weeks ago where they actually said, no, we never said that cash was a vector. We never said that. They had to issue a statement to that regard right. in, in a couple of weeks ago. The countertop, in fact, is probably more dangerous if it's not cleared down absolutely. regularly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The countertop, you know, or e- even people working in, you know, in, in a close situations in the hospital or in the community. Phones, if you're sharing a phone with somebody else, wash it down every time because that phone has been close to somebody's mouth. Is that systematically, be, that's common sense, isn't it? Is that systematically being done everywhere? And is that being communicated to people? People need to be aware of those risks, uh, I think, because otherwise we'll continue to see kind of low-grade spread, spread, spread of coronavirus. We want rid of it, yeah. not have it continue at a low level. Uh, you know, that this is this is the way to get to, to zero, uh, because my fear is this is going to continue to bubble, you know, the... Yeah. the w- w- 
for ye- for months and months and years and years unless we don't get it right. The, the term you used, low grade, I heard an interesting discussion across the weekend, Dr. Lambert, and someone else used that expression. It's a bit like having a, a forest fire that's smouldering. You can't let it smoulder. It's got to go out. Because yeah. if, you, if it smoulders, it, all it takes is one spark and the forest's gone up again. And that's the analogy. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I think that's exactly what's happening right now. We've settled down, but we haven't eliminated it. Um, and if we don't keep on, you know, aggressively managing every parts of the, 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 the system that we can control, it'll continue to smolder and it'll likely flare up again. What's the situation with regard to children? A number of weeks ago, we were going by the the understanding that, well, most children, most children will not get sick. Most children won't even get a sniffle from this, but they carry and they shed. Has the science changed in that regard? Well, that, that, not, not at all. It's just, it's just that the, uh, the issue, very simply, is children go to mass gatherings, so, so they're highly likely, if they're, if, if they're in school, they're going to infect many of their colleagues around, and they're going to get the cold, the common cold, or some of them actually may not have symptoms at all, but there's probably no difference between adults and children um, in terms of their their, their symptomatology. They, they get runny nose, they get coughs, they get cold, but the risk is they'll go home and infect a vulnerable population in the household. Uh, so I think uh, the, the, the good news is, is that there's been no, no severe cases of, uh, of children, you know, ending up getting critically unwell and ended up in the ICU. So they tend to have a more no, simple course, uh, uncomplicated course, but, but, the, but they are considered high transmitters ju- just because they congregate, just like people going to the Vivia Stadium are high transmitters because they're congregating in a closed environment. Yeah, yeah. which brings me to the first of a number of questions regarding what we can do if we get this on sports out of the question isn't it john for a long time absolutely that, that was a big uk mistake i was asked about that and they said should we have closed down the football before and, and and i said well you've got arsenal coach infected you've got all those players infected what do you think the chances of having fifty-six thousand fans infected absolutely if 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 there's still coronavirus circulating in dublin and you open up a large sports stadium and you put 80,000 people in it, that, that's, that's dangerous. So we can forget about sporting events for the, for the foreseeable, I imagine. Well, I, I don't know. If, if, we could, if we can actually <laughs> do what Singapore has done and other countries have done and, and get four cases in the whole country or zero cases in the four, whole country, then we can consider that. I think you have to do it month by month rather than coming out with kind of grand predictions that we're not going to do this for another nine months. I think it's wait and see. Mm. Let's see how good we can do. Let's see how Austria does. Let's see how Denmark does when they open up and learn from other countries. I, and I, I think we can do better. I think, you know, I, the Irish are very creative. In some ways, we stand up and say we're doing great when we're not doing great. But I think in the other situation, we've made some really good decisions. Uh, we've made some bad decisions and we need to fix those. But but I, I think we have a real opportunity to, to, to open up the country again if we get all of our ducks in a row. And we don't have our ducks in a row right now. Is there an international model that you like at this stage that we should look to? Not really. Every country is doing a little bit different. You know, some, every country is doing a little, bit, a little bit different. But Germany's had a big outbreak similar to us and they've had very few deaths and they've had... Um, you know, and, and their numbers are dropping, dropping, dropping. Um, so I think we have to look at countries that are similar to us, not comparing ourselves to countries saying, oh, 
UK is even worse. We're doing more testing than other countries. That's not what this is about. This is about, you know, how can we be number one in eradicating this infection? So I think Germany is a good model of all. So I think we should look at what people are doing. We should even consider getting outside consultation on, on, on from, from other people on taking a look at what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong um, to, 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 to win this war. We admire our frontline workers so much uh, that they run in to places that we are being asked to run out of, and they do it every day. But then again, when they come out of their hospital environment or their care home environment, they too have to shop. And a listener has contacted us to know, would it be a good idea if, if certain shops actually closed one day a week except just for frontline workers? Well, I think I think absolutely, but but I think that would be as a courtesy, you know, from a, from a safety standpoint. I'm not sure that's so important. If if you know if 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 the frontline workers, I don't think they're at higher risk of transmitting because they're they're using appropriate PPE. But yeah. as a courtesy, I think you know we're all busy, so to so to be able to have certain hours where we we can get in quickly, so we can go off to work. That would that would be a great idea. So coming back to where I started, the 5th of May is is the next date when we know what's going to happen. I personally have expressed the and this is just an opinion based on what you read to my listeners. I don't think I don't think I think the 5th of the 5th of May will be if 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 anything a very cautious start. What's the first thing we could see if we did as you say have all our ducks in a row? Well, you see, I, I'm not I'm not one to make that decision. That's not my area of specialty. Right. I'm a hospital doctor, but 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 you know, but, but people have talked about, you know, regionally opening up the country. You know, for example, the epicenter is Dublin. Um, uh, you know, and Cork a, a, a second. Um, you know, you could you could make an argument to start actually opening up some areas as long as you enforced. You know, travel restrictions, just like, you know, one part of the country would be a, almost a separate country. Um, so, so there's lots of different, you know, th- theoretical ways in, in, in terms of how to open up the country. I think open up some more takeaways, um, enforcing appropriate hand hygiene and disinfectant in certain facilities and allowing people to enter those facilities with social distancing. I mean, there's all sorts of ideas. I'm, this is not my specialty, yeah. but I think we've got some good people in the country who are thinking about these things, but we have to think through them and make sure it's safe and make sure it doesn't backfire because that's the worst case scenario. We all want to get out of this lockdown. Uh, we don't want to get false hopes out of lockdown for two weeks and then be back in the same situation as we were four weeks ago. So, for, for Finally, Dr. Lambert, for someone who looks upon this purely from a layman's point of view, you say the ducks in the row. What kind of things would indicate, in very simple layman's English, that the ducks are in a row? Uh, The nursing home situation and control and support and staffing and treatment and prevention uh, for the nursing home residents and for the nursing home staff. Um, making sure everyone gets tested um, and the results are available in 24 hours and everybody is contact traced, you know, and then making sure that, that the community is educated um, and the community facilities, you know, the, 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 the hospitality facilities have a safe plan to, to reopen uh, that's safe for their customers. All those things have to be done. Um, and that's the guidance from the WHO before a country could s- consider releasing the lockdown certain certain businesses finally 
we're being told, may not be able to open at all until there is at least a strong, cheaply available, widely available antiviral or uh, a vaccine. Do you agree with that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, that, that, is, that, is, that is, you know, wh- whoever made that comment ha- has, has no true understanding of vaccinology. And the reality is we don't have a coronavirus vaccine. Um, people have been working on these vaccines for years. We don't have a SARS vaccine. We don't have a MERS vaccine. It's not that easy to make a vaccine. We may never have a vaccine, I hate to tell you, or we may have a vaccine that actually, the, the, the vaccine can actually make the infection worse. So don't don't sit and you know make comments that we have to wait for a vaccine. We have to we have to implement all the appropriate steps right now, um, and not hold our breath about a vaccine. I'm hopeful we'll have it, but I'm 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 an idealist. Um, I think that 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 is false information that is just giving false hope to people. Um, people are working darn hard to come up with a vaccine. There's all these announcements. We're starting trials. We're doing this. We're doing that. Mm. But previous coronavirus vaccine trials have failed. So I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic that there's a guarantee that we will have a vaccine in 12 months or 18 months. So businesses may just have to be allowed to open and see what happens. I'm thinking in terms of hairdressers and, and those kind of things. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we have to plan um, stage, you know, first you open this, second you open that. If it works, third you open this. So I think it has to be a, a scaled plan. And we've got lots of experts who are thinking about that. But, but standing up and saying we have to wait for a vaccine shows a lack of understanding of of vaccinology, which is an area that I've, I, I've worked in for, for 20 years. Dr. Lambert, thank you very much, as always. Okay, thank you. That's Dr. John Lambert. That's a sobering thought. So, wherever you see in the paper this morning that so-and-so says we may have to wait for a vaccine, forget it. It's nonsense. It's nonsense, because we may never get one. Thank you, uh, Dr. John Lambert at the Matter Hospital. Sobering thought. Very sobering thought. Always good to see a local business uh, rising up. Uh, to do something for those on the front line. Brendan Keary from Keary's Motors. Brendan, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you today? Not too bad. You've come up with a great idea for frontline workers. Yeah, I suppose uh, we've partnered with Renault Ireland and with AXA um, for uh, doctors and for nurses that um, if, you know, just a lot of people have been travelling home from abroad, Sydney or, you know, Australia or different parts of the world. And I suppose those people are going to need cars. So um, what we'll be doing is if the people go to covidcarcare.com, um, they can see that they'll have, we'll give them the use of a car for two months. Uh, it's fully insured as well. So it just gets them through. The people who've, you know, done so much to come home and are, are fighting for the country, you know, just we just want to make sure that they're looked after. That's super. You yeah. guys completely shut down, Brendan, or are you trying to keep yeah. going on some kind of a level? Like, I suppose the garages are closed. We're still doing a bit of servicing for guard cars and on bus cars, the emergency vehicles. Um, in terms of sales, we're completely closed, but we have online. We've kind of moved into online PJ as we speak. Um, so, like, you know, we've sold probably 30 or 40 cars online. We can take payments online and things like that now, which we've just kind of been working on for the last few weeks. Mm. And when things open, I suppose, we're looking at, you know, alternative options like, you know, with the customer that, you know, they can go online. We can send them a video of a car rather than them having to come into us and we could deliver their car to their house fully sanitised. So we're looking at everything at the moment, but uh, we are closed at the moment pretty much. It is going to be a long, hard haul, isn't it? Exactly. I think, you know, for a lot of businesses, there's huge uncertainty. But, um, you know, I suppose we need to look for the positives as well. You know, everyone's going to change the way the businesses are changing. There's a huge move towards online. 
and um, you know we're we're ready to go at the time. So for anybody who once again who who needs assistance yep. on the front line, that address yep. is COVID uh, Car Care C A R E dot com and uh, Renault Ireland and uh, are, you know we'll be supplying the cars for Cork. AXA are doing a great job in the insurance. So COVIDCarecare dot com. If you go on, you know there's a few terms and conditions, but everything is explained there. And you can apply for a car there. Brendan, thank you very much. That's Brendan Keary from Keary's Motors. COVIDCarCare.com for those who came home to help. You need a car? They'll sort you out for two months. Uh, insurance, all covered. Hire the car, all covered. Decent, decent people at Keary's Motors. 1850-715-996. COVIDCarCare.com. Just looking at the global figures, um, Avi Schiffman's website crashed at the weekend, poor lad was up for 30 hours straight. He was tweeting, he's finally got it working again. And then this morning he notices a bug in the display and he's at it again. But the magnificent website that that young man invented before Christmas now shows us this morning that there were 2,422,819 cases around the world of COVID-19. And that sadly, 166,206 people have died. The number who have died so far in Ireland stands, sadly, at 610. Our thoughts are with each and every family affected by this. And we presently have 15,251 confirmed cases. Once again, sorry, once again, that address from Kiri's, uh, Brendan, made an error in giving it out. He just wants me to correct it. Happy to do that. It's covidcarcover.com All one word. Covidcarcover.com All right. www.covidcarcover.com The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM With a self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Spacious, convenient and still open every day. Selfservicelaundry.ie <laughs> The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or C96FM.ie. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Corks 96FM. Siobhan wants to know do you think people will be able to see family members again after the 6th of May? You would hope so, Siobhan, but as Dr. Lambert said, we just don't know, we just can't predict. Until all the ducks in a row, we can't start to do anything. Uh, we have to be very, very, very cautious. We're starting to get store crazy now, says another. Yes, I experienced a little bit of that myself this weekend, I have to say. It was tough. The weather didn't help. Uh, John on WhatsApp says, need to sort out the airports and ferries, putting restrictions in place, or the numbers will never come down, says John. He says he loves the show. Thank you, John. 1850-715-996. One group of people for whom this is exceedingly difficult. Well, there are many groups, but one is separated families. And, you know, particularly the children of separated parents, the uh, 
Department of Social Protection issued a statement at the weekend in which it said there may be situations where a one-parent family recipient is no longer receiving maintenance for their child because the other parent has lost their job due to COVID-19. Do you have a support arrangement following a separation and the person who does the support has lost their job and they're getting no money you could have lost out in your support payment what are your rights what are your entitlements Helen Collin is a family law solicitor Helen good morning good morning PJ lovely to talk to you and, and to you indeed it's a, it's a difficult situation if look mom and dad have separated many of these separations can be quite amicable there's a, a, a maintenance agreement in place and then dad's job is gone and he's gone from taking home, we'll say what, six, seven hundred quid a week to maybe taking home a COVID payment. He can't afford maintenance. What's going to happen? Well, I suppose family law, by its very nature, uh, PJ, to put it in context, it's difficult, you know, where a relationship has broken down. But certainly with COVID and the pandemic at the moment, it has exacerbated all those difficulties, particularly in relation to access, in relation to maintenance. And unfortunately, it is a sad reality that we all know that a lot of people have been pulled, have been laid off or indeed have lost their jobs. So um, that obviously has a trickle-down effect uh, for parents where they have separated and they are depending on the other parent, you know, to provide financial support. And very often the financial support is for their children. Um, so that definitely has that has exacerbated the stress that uh, separated parents are going through. So um, from a legal perspective, but um, we have advised clients, and I'm sure there are a lot of solicitors throughout Cork City and County who are encountering this as, this as well, where they have been inundated with calls, you know, from anxious uh, separated uh, clients. Mm. And really, again, what it comes down to is that common sense must prevail. And if um, if parents, if they have lost their jobs, we would be advising them to provide, you know, the most important thing is to keep the lines of communication open. So they need to let the other parents know. I would be suggesting that they provide proof that the um, that the, the the that they have lost their jobs, or that there has been a reduction um, in their salary, and then it is a case of parents negotiating and using common sense. Unfortunately, I'm sure there are cases where one parent would use the current situation to their own advantage. So again, I would advise parents if there is if there is an order in respect of maintenance in place, and mm. um, they should talk to their solicitor. They should, um, if necessary, negotiate. A, um, a reduction for the period um, that their work is affected. Um, if there is an issue, they can certainly, you know, for, I suppose, it, it, the, the advice I would give, you know, say, firstly, in relation to somebody who has lost their job, I would be saying that they should, really, they should talk to the other, uh, to the other parent, explain what has happened, provide proof that that has um, occurred, and also, because there is a court order in place, uh, they should certainly be issuing or contacting their solicitor to issue um, a court application yeah. seeking a reduction in the um, the court-mandated level of maintenance. Yeah, that I think was the nature of the statement from the department at the weekend because they said the family courts are not hearing maintenance cases during the pandemic but the situation has been carefully monitored on an ongoing basis to ensure that lone parents don't have to face any further difficulty or hardship at this time. They also encourage people to contact their local intrio centre 
and, and talk and talk yeah. to them. And uh, another issue that comes up, Helen, and it came up before, in fact, was the fact that we're now all effect, effectively confined to barracks, and and that you know little Johnny or little Mary spends a week with mom and a weekend with dad, and everyone's quite happy with that, but can't at the moment go to dad. What's the legal situation there? Well, I suppose, again, to put it in context for your listeners, there are probably hundreds of children throughout Cork City and County who move between homes every week, and especially at weekends where their parents have separated. So up to now, as you say, that's not that's not an issue. Um, however, when the tighter uh, restrictions were introduced by the government at the end of March, that led to huge confusion because parents were unclear as to whether, I suppose, number one, were they allowed, you know, were they allowed to have access with their children um, that announcement was made on a Friday night which was particularly difficult because very often children may have moved for a weekend you know to stay with the other parent and their questions were you know should the children be returned so there was a huge amount of um, anxiety and distress for parents mm. so um, the Law Society together with the Family Lawyers Association and the Bar Council we drafted guidelines and we consulted widely and in particular particular with the uh, Department of Justice, the Department of Health, and also the President of the District Court, uh, Judge Colin Daly. He brought out very good guidelines on this issue. And arising out of that, we got some clarity in relation to access. And those guidelines, they're available on the Law Society website. But just to give you a brief um, overview um, of those. So firstly, children, they are able to move and they are able to continue to see both parents. So if there is a court order in place, it should be complied with to the greatest degree possible. Okay. So so COVID-19, it cannot be used as an excuse to ignore a court order. So that's to stop bad parents who would say, well, now this is my opportunity to, you know, to, to, to stop access. Um, the guidelines make it very clear that if it is safe to do so, access should continue. However, you know, everybody recognises that... And sorry, that- sorry, Helen, to cut across <laughs> you. The two-kilometre limit doesn't apply in that case. That, that does not apply because it is seen under the under the regulations that were issued by the Minister for Health. Uh, this is one of the exemptions, you know, where that you can move outside the two kilometre um, radius uh, where where you are, uh, where you're having access with your children. Um, however, you know, as I say, you know, really common sense must prevail and if parents want to come up with alternative arrangements and if they say, like for example, if one parent is living with their parents, for example, the children's grandparents, and if they're elderly or if they have an underlying condition, or indeed if a child has an underlying condition, you know, the alternative arrangements can be put in place mm-hmm. where, you know, people can use Skype, they can use WhatsApp. And the most important thing to bear in mind in all of this is that what is in the best interest of the child? You know, what is the best for your child in terms of access? Is it that they should go to see the other parent or are there other um other circumstances or other situations that would not make that safe either for the child or for the family as a whole. How important is it, Helen, that you contact your solicitor before making any decisions here? Because you don't want to find yourself, when everything is rectified, you don't want to find yourself in front of the family law court. 
Well, I think it's very important that you would contact your solicitor. And even though, um, certainly I'm, I practice here in Kildare, even though I'm from West Cork, um, I know that there are a lot of solicitors throughout Cork City and County. While their offices, may, the front door may be closed, most of them are working remotely. They are available. So I would say contact your solicitor, particularly if they practice in family law, and they will be able to advise you. They'll be able to give you clear advice as to what, what you can do. And um, also, you know, if there are difficulties, there is mediation still available. The, the Legal Aid Board is providing mediation. And certainly the courts are open, even though they're only dealing with um, urgent matters and in the context of family law, that really is only domestic abuse and childcare proceedings. Um, but the president of the district court has said that, you know, if there is an urgent matter, you know, in respect of access or maintenance, that certainly an application should be made to the court or the court should be made aware of it. And if the court sees it as an urgent matter, they will deal with it. And one of the interesting things I've heard in relation to the domestic violence is there are quite a number of applications coming before the court. But in fact, it is... Um, adults making, um, bringing the application in respect of adult children living in the house. So you can imagine that a lot of adult children are living in houses now with the lockdown and because of the confined space, it's obviously causing its own difficulties. There are some rather distressing radio ads going out at the moment actually about that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a very difficult um, situation and there are a lot of vulnerable people out there and certainly the lockdown isn't helping them so again look if people do need help there are a lot of organizations out there that are available to help or to contact their solicitor contact the legal aid board um you know just to get initial advice and you know to be to 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 help them all right listen helen thank you for your time this morning that's helen colin family law solicitor so if you have an access arrangement and it is safe to continue it, you can continue it. So it doesn't matter if dad or mom live 20 miles away. You can do that because this is an exception under the list of exceptions as published by the government. So that's going to be a relief to a lot of people, I imagine. 1850-715-996. Caller who says he does a lot of work in family law although he's not a solicitor. He said the courthouse will send you out a form if you email them. You don't need a solicitor to do it. On the subject of Dr. John Lambert and businesses and when they might be able to start operating again. Hi PJ, the doctor is right. We might never get a vaccine. Businesses will have to open slowly and then must be monitored and and see access their, or assess their safety for customers and staff. It's a long haul ahead. Caller wants to know, how come 25 UK travellers can come through the, the, the ports and set up home in the Curra, but we can't move out of our homes? That's on extra.ie. It's a story I was reading there this morning. A convoy of UK travellers have set up camp on the Curra and fuels fears among locals. It was also in the Irish Mail on Sunday. And there's a photograph of 25 uh, traveller caravans in the Curra in County Kildare. And the allegation is that they came through the ferries and no one can do anything about it. I'll answer for that. 1850 715 The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM.
1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text or the WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. You can contact us Twitter at OpinionLine96. And also, of course, if you need to get to us any hour of the day or night, you can contact us through the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Send a Facebook message to us and just put it for the attention of the opinion line. And whoever takes the message will pass it on to us. The email, the best way to get us, though, uh, 24-7, opinion at 96fm.ie. And I'm talking in particular there to people who want to contact us who listen to this show on the podcast or indeed who listen to the overnight repeat, which goes out between 3 and 5 a.m. I will come back to the issue of uh, hay fever, and because I, I know that pricked up the ears for some people. The, the the weather forecast for the week is very nice, very very nice, in fact, which will be great. It makes it easier to, to stick with these long boring days if if the weather is nice. But it's also going to bring hell for people who get hay fever from tree pollen. Just to be warned. So, just so you know, you have hay fever and not coronavirus. We're going to look into that briefly in, in the next while. But let's return to family law. And we spoke to Helen, Helen Collin, just before 10 o'clock there, about separated families and how they continue with access and, and all that kind of thing. And, and Helen explained to us, and in case you missed the gist of what she was saying, any access arrangement that you have in a separated family, you can and you should try to honour that throughout the course of the lockdown because the two-kilometre rule does not apply. So where's safe to do so? If there isn't somebody cocooning or somebody sick or whatever, where's safe to do so? Access needs to continue. And if you need any advice, contact your solicitor. If you are someone who needs to pay maintenance and you can't afford it because you've lost your job, contact your solicitor or contact the Intrio offices. They will assist you with that. But you can't just stop paying either. There's another issue. And I mentioned some very, I think they're upsetting, but they're vitally important to have ads on radio. I haven't seen them on television, but I've seen them on radio, or heard them on radio, rather, of distressing situations of people. The suggestion is domestic violence. The suggestion is people living in fear in your own home. And over the last couple of weeks, we've taken some calls outside from very distressed people with regard to drink and with regard to living with an alcoholic or living with a violent alcoholic or, you know, what happens in that situation? Where is the outlet? If, if you're suffering from domestic violence in a lockdown situation, where is your outlet? Where do you get help? Who do you look to? Who do you reach out to? Vicky Buckley is a family law solicitor uh, specialising in that area. Vicky, good morning. It's a tough time for anybody going through it. It, 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 it always is, but particularly this time. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose to start with, I'd reiterate what my colleagues' comments were earlier on, that you know, if there is court orders for access and maintenance, they are court orders. And where common sense prevails, you know, people must adhere to those orders. Yeah. Um, I suppose the situation that we're finding now with regards to domestic violence issues is people are stuck. They're in a situation where they're not allowed to leave the house, they're not allowed to travel. Um, I suppose there's a lot more drinking at home, um, situations are becoming more volatile, and I suppose people are wondering what to do next. Yeah. Um, it's a very sensitive situation, 
nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Um, but what I suppose I'd start with is, if you have concern, contact your solicitor or contact the Legal Aid Board. Mm. The courts are hearing domestic violence applications. Yeah. So that is there for people. You can apply to the court's office, either yourself or with the advice of your solicitor, for a protection order or an interim barring order. The problem is with an interim barring order, Vicky, where does the, the, the offender go? Like you, you can bar someone from your house in normal times, but these aren't normal times. Where do they go? I suppose if, if, say, I was instructed by somebody who was, uh, you know, an alleged victim of domestic violence, my concern is only with that person. Um, And if the court does make an order, which I suppose I must say, there is a very high threshold with regards to the court granting an interim barring order. Um, I suppose the concern is with regards to the welfare of the applicant. And I suppose, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, with regards to the safety of the children. Yes. So if the court does make that order, really the threshold is so high, the court has, having heard the evidence, considered it sufficient for that person to have to leave that house. Yes. And after that, again, I suppose it's just about the safety and welfare of, of the people involved. Yes, yes. So in actual fact, if, if, you, if you do reach that threshold and the court dictates that that threshold has been reached, it ain't my problem where you go, dude. Get out. Well, this is it. Actions have consequences, I suppose, don't they? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, be it in normal times or in these times, that kind of behaviour is completely and utterly unacceptable. Yeah. What about the person, and I mentioned the radio ads, uh, and, and it's very well illustrated in them, the person who can't get five seconds to make that call? This is it, yeah. This is, this is the problem. Um, and I suppose the court services and I suppose my colleagues are very aware of that. Um, there are a number of um, agencies available, and I suppose perhaps they're available online as well. Um, you know, in extreme circumstances, the guards, and they would tell you themselves, they're very aware of the increase in tension in households because of what's going on. Um, so they could ring the guards immediately. Um, they will respond. Um, they're very, very aware of the domestic violence protocols. Um, but again, perhaps maybe online, on their phone, on their iPads or their tablets. Yeah. Um, but definitely do reach out. Yeah, because even the walk to the corner shop, you won't be allowed to do that on your own in certain situations. The offender will come with you and watch you oh. like a hawk. Oh, absolutely. Um, or won't let you take your phone. Absolutely. And in situations where there is um, domestic violence prevalence in a household, you know, a lot of that is driven by by drink, unfortunately, or drugs. Um, perhaps people don't have the accessibility to drink and drugs at the moment, and that's making the situation worse. Um, coercive control, control over people um, is a huge issue, um, yes. particularly as you've pointed that out. But mm. that is now part of... What that's a crime now considered. anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's part of, it's part of the offence, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose... You know, to put that in its most basic, that's mental and emotional abuse and mental and emotional control. Um, But what I would say is to people is definitely try and reach out. Um, You know, send an email, send a WhatsApp, get onto the different websites. um, And if you can, and you are in that situation, contact the guards or contact your solicitor. The court will hear the application. Yeah. 
they are sitting for that. They are sitting for domestic violence applications. I suppose even when this started, we as, as a profession were, were very aware of the need for that. Um, and it's very well done. Um, it, the, the court is very aware of, of social distancing. There's nobody at risk in that respect. Um, it's done. It's very discreet. Um, and it's very fast when it actually does happen. Yeah. It's it. Uh, I, I, my, I, I shudder to think of the situation in which some people are living at the moment, Vicky. Oh, I would say it's absolutely awful, um, given the applications that we would be hearing on a regular basis outside of, of this pandemic time. Um, and I, I think you, you, you really pointed out the main issue here is the fact that people cannot get out of the situation that they're in, that they cannot get those five minutes on their own, or they cannot come into town and file an application in court office. Um, and I think that's what's going to, to, to exacerbate the situation, no end. Yeah, I see a story here that Kevin has shared with us on Twitter. It's a CNN story, and it sounds like a remarkable idea. Vicky. It's a woman who walked into a pharmacy in the French city of Nancy last weekend. Uh, one, The pharmacies, of course, are still open like they are yes. here. And she wasn't there for medicine. She went up and she asked something along the lines of, is Angela working today? Yes, and I've seen that in um, pub situations. Yes, it's Dublin, a big thing in pubs, there's yeah. A, there's a code word. Um, and absolutely, I, I, would, I would agree with that 100%. Um, just so that people know that there is an outlet that, you know, it, it's not going to look anyway conspicuous, you know, to the offender, the alleged offender at that point, you know, is Angela working? Yeah, and, um, and if, for example, the abuser happens to be in the store with you, you know, buy a packet of paracetamol and say, listen, by the way, is Angela working tonight? Sends a message. Absolutely. But you know what, Peter, we, we don't have it, and I suppose the yeah. reality is that, unfortunately, there's, there's probably people listening that are in that situation. Um, yeah. If the situation gets to that point... Ring the guards. Ring the guards. You know, or ring your solicitor and uh, or text. Um, as my colleague said earlier, a lot of solicitors may appear that they're not working because the doors are closed. But, you know, most offices are working behind closed doors. Do you know if you have a good friend, um, a sister, a brother, or, as you say, a colleague or friend, yeah. could, is it, if, like, if, if someone is trapped in that situation and all they can do is get a WhatsApp out to their best friend, will... The guards then take a call from the best friend and say, listen, here's the details. Or can um, they do that? I suppose, look, the particulars of domestic violence are very specific. Um, the guards, and I only spoke to them as recently as last week on this situation, is it, they have specific protocols to follow on domestic violence. Um, so if the threat is, is very real, they will respond. They're not going to leave anybody at risk. Now, I suppose, unfortunately, at the same time, People are, are, are using the situation and making applications which probably aren't um, valid in the, in, in the circumstances. Yeah. So uh, I suppose all of the evidence is considered. But yes, if somebody rings the guide station or, or if somebody was to ring me or another colleague and say, listen, you know, my sister and or my brother perhaps, yes. that's the situation as well, yes. um, are, you know, are in a situation where they need help. There will be specific advice given immediately. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much for that. Vicky Buckley, uh, 1850 715 996. Now, Deborah O'Flynn is a coordinator at the One Stop Shop. 
and I'll talk to her next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open every day for all your solid fuels. Barbecue, gas and charcoal. Solidfueldepot.ie Good morning, lads. As a doctor working in CUH, I can't thank you enough for your support. Things are manageable for now, but we're all frightened about what potentially is coming our way. Gestures of support like yours are so heartening. We're doing nothing. No. You're, doing, you're doing all the work. Yeah. Listen, well done, Ashley. Thanks so much. That's very Fair kind. Man. Very kind of you. Casey and Ross in the morning. Corks 96 FM. Pro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 on Courts 96 FM. Just remarking there to Deirdre in the, in, in the break. Welcome back, Dee, by the way. That you know, you drive past the OSS sign and you know that it's something to do with domestic violence and that kind of thing. But you wouldn't have known it just stood for one stop shop. Deborah O'Flynn, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are I, you? I knew the OSS Centre had to do with that, but I didn't know it was as simple as one-stop shop. Genius. <laughs> Genius. The, the, the one-stop shop, yes, indeed. We often have to explain the meaning behind it. Uh, but the idea is that if somebody finds themselves in a domestically abusive situation or they're just coming out of it, they can contact our service for help across the spectrum because that's the whole thing about domestic violence. It affects so much in a person's life everything from their psychology to the social aspect of things, finance, health, housing, and, and not least of all, legal as well. So the idea is that they get a kind of a, a wraparound service mm. that's actually tailored to their needs. So what we provide to one client might not necessarily be what we'll be providing to the next person who makes contact with us. And also to say as well, just one of your last comments there was about, you know, what if your, your friend or family member is concerned about something? We also provide a service to concerned family members and friends because they often feel powerless in that situation. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really widespread what we actually do. Yeah. And if we don't have the facility on board, we'll source it for the person. The biggest issue at the moment is the fact that, that for, for people trapped in an ongoing situation, they're literally the moment is no escape no break absolutely absolutely now um every service out there has been affected by what's been going on and also i think we've we were we were caught with the speed with which everything happened as well so the first thing to say is that we are actually open for helpline calls and some limited email support as well and uh we also started a kind of a social media campaign last week too so we've a, a Twitter page that we didn't have before and so on and so forth. But for people who are in abusive relationships where they're actually living with the perpetrator of this abuse, it's a horrendously difficult time. Now, it's very difficult and challenging for those people to actually make contact with the service. But um, PJ, if I could, I'd just like to give out our free phone number at yes, this indeed. point. It's one 800 497 497 so the service itself actually pays for the call um rather than the the client who's making the contact with us and that's important because they might be having difficulty actually sourcing credit and so on at this point 
Now, um, a lot of our clients are not living with their perpetrator and they're facing other issues around access and maintenance and things like that. But for those that are actually in the situation, directly living with the perpetrator, we have to emphasise disengagement as much as is possible. It's very difficult and challenging in these scenarios not to react to something that you are being provoked with. Uh, The perpetrator is always trying to elicit a response from you. The best thing you can do is walk away, take advantage of that two kilometre zone that you can actually get out of the house if you're allowed to do so. Some people are accessing us when they're going to do their shopping. Um, It's about the only time that they are able to get out of the the confined space that they're actually in um i think i won't go into too much detail about the legalities but because i I, your previous speaker actually spoke quite a bit about that but the the first port of call for a lot of people in this scenario seems to be the guardie and they have uh, operation fuishev on the go at the moment so they're actually actively making call contact with uh service users who have been in contact with the guards but obviously we're also very concerned about that cohort of people who have not been in contact with the guards and won't be on their records prior to this event so we're here for them and uh, if you make contact with us if you do manage to avail of the free phone number there will be somebody there between the hours of nine to five monday to friday unfortunately you are back to the guardian situation again once it's outside of those hours or indeed our fellow organization coonley refuge they are operating a 24-hour service at the moment as well and of course if people are totally confused and lost and don't know where to go women's aid are absolutely wonderful resource and safe ireland and they will give you the local numbers most of the services if not all of the services are still open they just can't facilitate people with face-to-face contacts at the moment and that is challenging because as service providers we are missing some information ourselves we're not getting any of that non-verbal feedback you get from somebody who's sitting in front of you so it's challenging on both sides actually in terms of the service provider and the service user but, but the service such as you can provide is still there it's absolutely absolutely and our referral system is still there i think for a lot of people that i personally have been in contact with over the last number of weeks the relief that i experienced from people over the phone when they realized we were still here and that that is a very very important message to get across and i think in fact the government in the past week has launched advertising campaigns um under that label actually still here to let people know that the domestic violence services haven't gone anywhere we're having to restructure how we are actually providing support to people but we are still there operating the same hours that we were beforehand and i can say from all of my zoom meetings at the facility i never knew existed before Mm. about four or five weeks ago all of the organizations across the country are doing the same thing now the refugees are dealing with slightly different scenarios you can perhaps speak with them directly yourselves as well Mm. but they are um, limited a lot of them in taking in new uh new, new residents because of the communal living areas and the need to socially distance yes. but they will still be able to provide you with support and advice and point you in the right direction All right. if people are in an absolutely diabolical situation and it's not just the case that they need some emotional support and psychological support over the phone please do call the guards and they will take care of you if you are a concerned neighbor or friend 
also make that call. It's like the lottery. If you're not in, you can't win. Yeah. There's nothing to lose by making the call and you might actually be helping somebody out. All right. Okay, listen, Deborah, leave it there for now. Thank you very much. That's Deborah O'Flynn, uh, the coordinator of the OSS one-stop shop in Cork. Their number and all the information that they have at their fingertips can be at yours. Uh, the number one eight hundred four nine seven four nine seven, which is between nine and five Monday to Friday, if you can get an opportunity to get out. And I do realise that I'm probably speaking to one person or more in some situation that they're saying, but I can't get out. I can't get an opportunity. He takes my phone. I can't find my phone. He's hidden my phone. She's hidden my phone. But for those who can make that call, one eight hundred four nine seven. 497. Colin is someone who was married to a terrible drunk, had no access to the phone, but sneaked out when he was so drunk he passed out and never actually went back. They take the phones. It's a power thing. I always wondered about the code word. Uh, so this, maybe the abuser also knows the code. They do. That's the one failing of that whole Ask Angela thing, is that the abuser also knows the code word. But look, it's something. Caller says this can be used and manipulated by women as well. And it's only fair to give the other side of the story. Give a little bit of time. It happened to him. He was downstairs sleeping in another... Oh, hold on. I'll come back to that. Thanks, guys. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Okay. 1850-715-996. Just before I go to a break, I try to do this every morning at one point or another. They are in the commercial breaks, but let's do them anyway. The numbers for help... If you need help with any element of this pandemic and any effect it's having on your life or the life of a loved one, the council and the uh, city and county councils both are part of the community call and they both have their own numbers that you can ring. And again, at the risk of repeating myself, but I do, you should probably have a pencil and paper next to your radio that you could write this number down once and for all but until such time as everyone knows it I'll keep reading it the number for city council if you need help voluntary help of any kind the number to call the council is 1800 treble 2 double 2 6 that's 1800 treble 2 double 2 6 if you're in the county council area the number to call is 1800 805 819 805-819. Those 1800 numbers, by the way, are free from a mobile. We ascertained that last week. The HSE has an information line on coronavirus. Uh, it's very useful, very valuable information there and their website, of course, hse.ie. But their information line, 1850-24-1850. 1850-24-1850. That is the cost of a local call from your... Uh, it's at the cost of a landline call from your mobile it'll go as part of your landline bundle 1850 24 1850 and if you're a frontline worker and you need some help say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW and you'd like somebody just to talk to just to get you through the end of a tough day you can text the word FRONTLINE to 086 1800 280 that's the word FRONTLINE 086 1800 280 is our number have you hay fever or have you coronavirus and how can you tell we'll try and fix that one Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open every day for all your laundry needs. Selfservicelaundry.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment scene. Coming up this Friday and something to be enjoyed from the comfort of your sitting room, the world's biggest online quiz has started in Cork. There's a special Simpsons night coming up on Friday and if you don't want to play you can just watch the live stream at Patrick Ahern Entertainment on Facebook. If you want to enter a team go to Eventbrite to get your ticket before 8pm on Friday night. Access all areas. 
Nathan Carter with special guest Brian Kennedy is set to play live at the Marquee on May 31st. Nathan recently released his 10th studio album Irish Heartland, which features collaborations with a number of artists, including the High Kings and Finbar Fury. Tickets for his show are on sale now. Access all areas. If you have a gig, show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the next few months, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can mail us on AAA at 96FM.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. Do you actually print that one for me and I'll read it in a minute? Thanks very much. That's that call that was coming in there about domestic violence and the other side of the story. Happy to read it there in a few minutes. But first of all, the weather is nice now. It's going to improve this afternoon and it's very good. The forecast for the week is very pleasant, I might tell you now. Nice nice little lash of spring and some nice warm spring sunshine in the afternoon, which is good. But it brings with it a problem, particularly a problem for anybody suffering from hay fever. And in particular, again, hay fever that is triggered by tree pollen. Some people's hay fever is triggered by grass pollen and the pollen from flowers and stuff but no this is tree pollen there could be a problem with that this week and because of that some people might get worried about themselves if they get a lash of bad hay fever could i possibly have the coronavirus and how can i tell the difference and in these worrying times it's important to be able to tell the difference heather feeney is a pharmacist with boots heather good morning is she there are you hi heather can you hear me? I can hear you. That's grand. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Um, I get a touch of hay fever myself, nothing severe, but I know what it's like. Uh, but you could get confused if you've got a bad dose of hay fever and you could think, God, should I be going to the doctor? Totally. And there are some similarities between hay fever and coronavirus, which is obviously at the top of all of our minds right now. So it's kind of to be expected that people could be a little bit more confused or a little bit more concerned about themselves right now. But it is really important to note that all pharmacies are open and working, all GPs are open and working. Um, so you don't have to be in it alone. There, there's lots of support out there for you at the minute. So how would I know if it was hay fever and not coronavirus? There are a couple of easy things I can tell. Yeah, totally. So I'd say at this stage we're all really familiar with the symptoms of coronavirus and the main one being a fever, which is kind of a temperature over 38 degrees. And with the fever, that really brings a sense of achiness around the body and you feel generally very unwell. And none of those things would be associated with hay fever. So while a cough and shortness of breath, someone you know who has quite bad hay fever, they could kind of have that itchy throat and there is some similarities there. The fever is totally characteristic to the coronavirus. That wouldn't be expected with hay fever whatsoever. And then another kind of way you can look at it is in the inverse, looking at hay fever. You have symptoms like really watery eyes and depending on how you're affected yourself itchy kind of runny noses that can be really unpleasant to deal with um, and those aren't really characteristic of the coronavirus so while there's some upper respiratory tract kind of symptoms of the coronavirus being that kind of cough actually that really runny nose and watery eyes wouldn't be to be expected with coronavirus so sometimes people suffer with hay fever annually year to year and if they feel those symptoms coming back the likelihood is that that would be their usual hay fever symptoms that they get at this time of year. Okay. There's a few things, and I noticed on your, on your website and on your press release, a few little things that, that people can do when they know that there's hay fever in the air to prevent themselves or help themselves lessen the impact. What are they? Absolutely. 
absolutely. Yeah, there's loads of things that you can do. So for one, it's really good to stay in touch with Met Erin. So they have a fabulous site where they update the kind of hay fever level or the pollen level by um, by province daily and they kind of break it down over different courses or different periods of the day. So that can be really convenient for people to check in on just to see when their kind of trigger hours could be because with hay fever, obviously, it is triggered by pollen. So if you're keeping an eye on when the levels are high and you're trying to stay out of the sunshine or long grass during those times, you're going to bring your symptoms down. And similarly, around five to seven in the day is really the peak time for pollen to be high. So if you try and stay inside between those hours, I know it's difficult right now in this beautiful weather, but we all are trying to stay inside. Five to seven in the evening? Five to seven is actually when the pollen count is at the highest. Wow. Um, Yeah, so it's not, people will kind of assume that it's kind of with peak sunshine at three o'clock. Yeah, because the day is starting to cool down at that stage. Yeah, but it's actually when it cools down. So during the day with the heat, the pollen rises in the air. And then when it cools down in the evening, it starts to kind of settle and it's far slower to come down. And so it's kind of stagnant in the air. So lots of people out walking in the evening might find it's a little bit worse at that time. And that's why. Okay. okay. The, the little bit of Vaseline around the inside of the nose, that actually does work. Yeah, it does. It's excellent, actually. And what's really good about it is it's not medicated. It's not invasive. You just pop a little bit of Vaseline at the end of the nose. And most people would have it in the house right now when we're trying to stay inside. And what that will do is when you're inhaling, it'll catch the pollen outside of your nose. So particularly for people who have respiratory symptoms who kind of get that really itchy nose, that's going to help to catch the pollen and reduce your symptoms as well. So it's really easy to fix and it's perfectly safe for kids as well. Sunglasses sunglasses yeah so they kind of recommend those really funky looking wraparound ones that go around the side of the head they can be a little bit harder to get but actually any sunglasses particularly if it's someone who suffers from the watery eyes those will help to keep the pollen out of your eyes obviously with the wind is blowing and it's just really important then to keep those sunglasses clean and just in case any pollen would kind of gather on them that they're not being held close to your eyes so a good pair of wraparound sunglasses that you're keeping clean are key to hay fever Excellent. I see where Boots as well have this new partnership with the FAI uh, for people who are cocooning about getting their prescriptions. Any more you can tell me about that? Yeah, so um, we're really lucky to be in partnership with the FAI. We generally sponsor the Women's Football League. Um, so we're really lucky that they've reached out to us and we're happy to work with them. So what They're set up with a lot of our stores that they're going to do volunteer deliveries. And um, So if anyone needs you know, medicines and they can't leave their house right now, or if you know someone vulnerable, you know who you think might be at risk of popping out of the house if they need their paracetamol or whatever, actually if you get them to get in touch with their booth store, you get in touch with their behalf, we can arrange a delivery for them and one of our FAI volunteers will get it out to them. So um, it's just all kind of with a view to keeping people inside and keeping people safe right now. So we're very lucky to have that partnership. Cool idea. Thanks for your time, Heather. That's Heather Feeney, pharmacist with Boots. Simple things you can do to reduce the impact of, of hay fever if you're prone to it. The little dab of Vaseline at the base of the nose there. That's that's actually very good because that catches wear sunglasses. I didn't know about the five to seven in the evening thing. Didn't know about that. There's something you learn, something new you learn every day. But the chances are it is not coronavirus. If you have a runny nose or a tickly throat or your eyes are sore, it's hay fever. It's it's not the coronavirus. And you won't have a temperature with hay fever. So that's it. Oh, and that's it. has anyone come across that partnership with the FAI and Boots? If anyone benefited from it, that your local Boots got your prescription sent out to you and there's a volunteer from the soccer club we know it exists has anyone actually benefited from it yet or is it one of those things that's kind of secretly there in the background that we didn't know about but you do now as they say and i promised that i would read this it's a lengthy comment that came in where we're talking about uh, domestic violence and having to live in that kind of a situation at this tough time for us all Caller says this can be used and manipulated by women as well and it's only fair to give the other side of the story 
give a little bit of time to the other side. We'd been together happily for 10 years when I found out that she had a DNA test and I wasn't the father of the oldest child. I was downstairs sleeping in another area of the house after I found out I wasn't the child's father. We had an argument. I never put a finger on her. I've never hurt a woman. I was pulled out of my bed, put in handcuffs and sent to court for hitting her. She initially got her barring order. They grant them willy-nilly. But thank God my son was with me all night, sleeping in the same bedroom. The judge did a long interview with my son, and thank God he told her the truth. She blackened my name with the council, and she got the house. I managed to finally get myself a house as the judge threw her out of court in the end, but I was tarnished. I know other lads as well who've been gotten out of their houses through false accusations. The barring order was lifted, and I have custody of my son since. It's a crazy situation. That item on your show gave the right advice for women in dangerous situations, but it also gave the right advice for people who are making it up. She could just walk out of court after all of it, and I had no recourse because I can't afford a defamation case. She should have been jailed for doing that. You tar somebody with that brush, they're stuck with it forever. 1850-715-996. There's a particularly tragic COVID-19 situation in West Cork in Clonakilty at the moment. Uh, Independent TD Michael Collins. Michael, good morning. Good morning, PJ. It is a particularly tragic situation down there. Outline it for me, please. Well, the situation is that, you know, there's, uh, we've been led to believe that there's people with COVID-19 down the Community Hospital, um, and that's, that has, is a very serious worry to their families, a serious worry for the, the public at large, to the staff that are working there, working diligently so hard there. Um, the, I suppose I, I was called yesterday by the examiner to, from my viewpoint on it. The only thing I had to say was that uh, family members had uh, contacted uh, myself uh, in relation to their concerns uh, where there was uh, a couple of the wards where there was large numbers of people, maybe five, six people in the wards. And what were the what are the provisions put in place that if there was an outbreak of COVID-19 um, in, in, in them wards, uh, how would they segregate the patients? Was there uh, rooms that they could uh, make sure that that was to happen now? And, and I immediately sent a letter to um, uh, Minister Harrison, April the 9th, asking him to outline what plans they had for Clannacilty uh, Community Hospital to make sure that uh, patients, if there was an outbreak, that patients could be segregated and safety segregated. Uh, as of yet, I haven't had an answer to that. Um, and as I say, I, the, the main reason I wrote was obviously the concerns of families who had loved ones in the hospital and the same situation. And I relay my sympathies to anyone who's lost anybody uh, to COVID-19 or whether it is in Clannacilty Hospital or anywhere else as well. It's a, it's a tragic situation. Yeah. But this is a sad situation for these families and seriously worrying for the staff as well. I'm reading from the examiner, from today's examiner, where they quote a spokesperson for the HSE saying there's a level of COVID-19 infection at the hospital. It is with great sadness we can confirm a number of residents passed away recently due to COVID-19. We express our sincere sympathies to the families and friends of those who passed away. It's a very difficult time for families, for the community and for the staff. Staff wish to reassure the community they continue to provide both, passion, both compassionate and high quality care to all residents. If we've had two deaths in a local hospital like that in Clonakilty, certainly we need to, to step, up, step, step up the level of, of infection control there, do we? Well, that's yeah. The statement is very clear in itself. It outlines the the, the concerns that I 
had myself and it outlines the concerns that the families were relaying to me um, all along back that we, you know, that we, we needed clarity on, the, on especially in particular the rooms, you see. I, I think the, the, the HSE and HICU had a standard of 80% single occupancy um, uh, rooms in, 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 in hospitals and, and I think that the standards, and that was initially started before I ever got into politics, BJ, I was involved in the Friends of Skull Hospital and we raised tens of thousands of euros to make sure that we had a standard of 80% single bed occupancy in that hospital. And it is, and it has met, I almost met all those standards. But as time went on, I think the, the the rules slightly changed, and and the single bed occupancy isn't as as in the high levels of the eighty percent, and it's in the lower percentage. And in some situations, you have rooms where there's five and six people inside, and we do need whether that's in a nursing home or a clinic, healthy hospital for the sake of the patients or the sake of the of the of the, of the staff that work there. We do need clarity as to how how that's dealt with, and you can see in situations like the nursing home how in nursing homes in Ireland that unfortunate situation is that if, it, if there's no break in a large in a room where there's a large amount of people in it the, the unfortunate thing is it's passed on to each patient and that's the unfortunate situation we're met with today that you know um, that, that, that there is unfortunate situations in Clannacilty Community Hospital that's left a lot of sadness in, in, in West Cork because mm-hmm. it is connects it has a wide catchment Clannacilty is a fabulous hospital it has a wide catchment but that was a, an answer that I didn't get to my letter on the 9th of April from the Minister and I still await that reply and I think that reply is not just to me it's a reply that people of South West Cork um, and the catchment of Clannacilty Hospital need to, ha- to hear immediately All right. Okay Michael thanks for that that's Michael Collins Independent TD or Cork Southwest, the sad story from Clonakilty. The two people have passed away from COVID-19 in the local hospital and there has been an outbreak, a number of, of cases there. 1850 I guess, look, it's going to be in every corner of the country. It really is in every corner of, of the country. Um, here's someone, and again, it's coming into the circles now of families we know. A couple of weeks ago, go, go back two weeks ago, we never, we didn't know anybody that he had visited. We were protecting our moms and looking after our elderly relatives and, you know, protecting those with underlying conditions. And we were doing what we were told and we were hoping it would come nowhere near our lives. As each week passes, it's going to come closer through people that we know and, and certainly people that we know here on the show like like Julie from from Twins and Me, who we've talked many times. Julie, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you doing? Good. More importantly, how's your granddad? Good. As you know, we got great news over the weekend. So he tested. Um, he was tested again over the weekend, and uh, he's after beating COVID nineteen. So we're absolutely thrilled. Tell me what happened. At the start. So I rewind back. So back in New Year's Day, he had a mild stroke. So he was rushed up to the hospital, up to the CUH. He spent probably about two months in the CUH. Um, He recovered and then he kind of got this kind of a virus. Now the virus did take over his body and he was really, really sick from the virus. So they then transferred him into the St. Finbar's Hospital. He was treated up there for this particular virus and then he came around. He was doing really, really well. And then three weeks ago, he was tested for the coronavirus because he was showing symptoms of that. 
and um, he had it unfortunately but as I said we got the best news over the weekend he beat it like a trooper Great. Did he have to go back into hospital Julie? He was in hospital. I never came out of hospital since okay. three years there. Okay, okay. And and how sick did he get with the, with the COVID? No, he wasn't. Like, he was in isolation, but he wasn't in the ICU or anything, thank God. So um, he wasn't too bad. Now, the nurses and doctors up there, as you know, PJ, they're phenomenal. Like, so they were ringing family members, like, and they're keeping us updated all the time, which was brilliant. But, like, he was doing well. He was eating. Um, he was he was in good enough spirits, thank God. Yeah, yeah. You obviously weren't able to get to see him, but you were able to phone him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as I said, the doctors and nurses, like, they are just absolutely fantastic. And they're ringing my mom and they're ringing my Aunt Rachel and my Uncle Mark. And they're keeping them updated all the time because, like, I suppose when they can't see him for, when we couldn't see him for ourselves, it's very hard. And we just obviously had to take the doctors and nurses what they were saying on board but like it's, you'd love to be able to see them and just see for, for yourself that he is doing well but um, so that was hard but we were so so grateful that all the nurses up in the same Finbars were ringing us and keeping us updated you know yeah what what age is he Julie? he's 86 and he's wow. a diabetic PJ wow yeah so and then again as I said he had a mild stroke New Year's Day you know so he had been through and then a virus then after the stroke this horrible virus we we still don't know what it was but it was you must have been terrified were you it was, it was shocking it was shocking for the whole lot of us and then like we just had he just had a horrible couple of months so thank god now um, he can put all this behind him and we're looking forward to him to getting home and back to norm some bit of normality you know please yeah. god any idea when he might get home to you um, no, so um, over the weekend now he was tested and we're still obviously not allowed into the hospital but I went up on Sasha morning I just had to bring a few bits and bobs up to him and I met the nurses in the reception desk where you hand over the, the stuff and they said, Julie, do you know what? He was in isolation the past couple of weeks. Why don't you drive around? So I was able to drive around to the back of the hospital to his ward where he was now and just look in the window and it just kind of lifted the spirits a small bit which was really lovely as well. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the the, the twins are missing him too, are they? they? We all are. As a family, we all miss him. Do you know, it's very, very tough. But um, but we're just delighted now. He, he got the all clear and hopefully now he'll be home and back to normal soon enough. Fantastic, fantastic. And yeah. he's recovered. Has he recovered okay from the stroke and stuff? He did, he did. He's, he's, as we were joking over the weekend, we said, come on, Grandad, we can't kill a bad thing. You're fine, you know, but um, we just have the ball up. But he's good, he's good. He's doing really, really well. Yeah. He yeah. looks fab, anyway, from what I've seen on Saturday, he does. Yeah, yeah, in through the window. And was he able, were you able to talk to him on the phone or something or what? Yeah, so, um, no, I was just chatting to him through the window, um, but it was lashing rain, of course, on Saturday, so um, I was standing there in the rain, and we were just chatting away, but it definitely lifted spirits, because my other cousin, Sinead, then went up on Sunday, she was able just to hide to him, and she brought him up a few um, bits, so it was lovely, the fact that he was in isolation for three weeks, see nobody, only doctors and nurses, so it was nice to see some of the family members, you know, yeah. so it definitely lifted his spirits. Julie, I want to catch up with how you're doing and how the twins are, are handling lockdown and how the rest of you are, are handling it. But I'm running out of time this side of the news. So will you come back to me? I will, of course, yeah. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. The email for the show, opinion at 96fm.ie. I'm going to go back to Julie for a few minutes because I'm delighted 
that, that her granddad uh, is doing so well. It must have been an awful frightening time for the family after he went down with a stroke in the early part of the year and then got this other virus on top of it all and then he gets the corona on top of it all and it's still April and he's not been home yet. Must have been scary, but great that she was able to go to see him through his window. Uh, on Saturday and have a chat with him on the phone and it's all great, it's all good and at 86, he's a tough tough, tough guy but I wanted to come back to you Julie with regard to uh, b- being at home with, with the twins, uh, they are what is it, they're, they're three now aren't they or coming up for three they'll be three in October so they're about two and a half now right. yeah, yeah. oh god, the terrible twos by two twos by two on my own yeah <laughs> how are you coping girl? joking to over the weekend and I said if you put a lot all of mothers into a lab just out of sheer determination we'd probably come up with a cure for this coronavirus <laughs> oh my god it's, it's very very tough yeah because they don't understand what this is all about do they they, have they no don't idea. understand you know they're at that age now where they just want to be out and about and just running wild and to be confined into your house it's very very tough for all kids and all ages of course but I, I suppose if they're a bit older they understand you know but you're my two they're yeah. none the wiser which is have good you a bit of a garden at least that they can grow out in I do, I do, thank God. And you know what, PJ, we were blessed with the weather, weren't we? Absolutely, yeah. and and will be now for this week too. Please, God, yeah, yeah. So that is making life a small bit easier with the the good weather. And we're out the back garden, and um, they have their little swing set out there, and their trampoline. So they're happy out the back garden, thank God. But this weekend with the rain, I found I found it very tough. I think a lot of people found this weekend tough, yeah, and like yeah. people like yourself even tougher because they can't go out because the wet and the sea of mud and all that thing, and then they're stuck looking at you. And there's only so much Paw Patrol you can watch without losing your mind. And like, what? How did you spend the weekend? We th- we got that Disney Plus actually, and uh, even though they're you know they don't have the concentration yet for like a full movie, they're they're getting there, you know. Yeah. So I have that on. I have Peppa Pig. I have I have the whole lot, and then we be doing activities. But you know yourself, and they're two and a half. It's they have five ten minutes out of an activity, and they're gone then again, you know. Right. So I wouldn't get hours out of them painting or hours out of them doing play doh. Five ten minutes, and they're gone then yeah. again, sure. You get half the day. Getting half the day, getting the paint ready and everything set up, and and yep. if you get five minutes out of the activity, it's been a good. It's been a good, <laughs> it's been a good day. Or like ourselves now, Erin Rose found my nail varnish and painted her whole face. Oh no! And then the wall. So that was Saturday, and sure, you need eyes at the back of your head, especially when you have two at that age. So um, yeah. So I'm kept on my toes, definitely. But uh, nail varnish on her face and on the wall. It's still on her face, so I put it. We put her into. I put her into the bath straight away. It's scrubbed her, and there's still traces of purple nail varnish on her face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you couldn't I'm be sorry. I shouldn't laugh, but if, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. Then that, then in that, the truth, in that, the truth, and crayons will be found anywhere you oh, want. Crayons all over the wall. I, oh my god, I can't. You could not be after these two. And you see, they just take it in turns, like you know, they're. Yeah. They're the best tag team in the whole world. And and the thing is, like, you actually work in childcare. So anyone would think, well, yes, Julie, you're supposed to be grand. I, uh, yeah, like, I went to college. I did my I my childcare over 10 years. And I could, I often said I couldn't control a classroom of little two- and three-year-olds. 
blindfolded, but my own too. I can't. I can't control them at all. <laughs> Any idea for other parents? Is it don't, well? First of all, don't come and look at yours, to you. <laughs> oh my God! It's just like just take. I still, we just have to take every day now as it comes, don't we? It's mad, but it's, um, yeah, I was sharing it all on Instagram then, so I'm the grey crack on Instagram, you know, yeah. so, um, and that's keeping me going as well. Yeah. Does it get a bit lonesome for you? It does, definitely, like, because I suppose, as we spoke before, you know, when you're on your own with kids, like, especially when they're that young and they're not talking properly yet, you know, it's you've no adult conversation, you know, so it is, it is very, very tough, um, but mm. there's a lot of us in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Have you any help at all? Like, are you there all the time on your own? So, all along, I was on my own. And then, I don't know if I told you, PJ, but Fionn actually got very sick there three weeks ago. And he had a really bad eye infection. So, I brought him up to our GP. And our GP examined him in the care. So, she wasn't happy at all with Fionn. So, she sent me straight off to the hospital. Right. So, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'll be only up here five minutes. They might give him a drop or something like that. I would be home again. I brought nothing with me. And all of a sudden... They were testing for coronavirus because I suppose the patient, like, he's two and a half. What, two year and a half year old doesn't really have the symptoms back three or four weeks ago when the weather wasn't great. He had a runny nose, he had a bit of a cough, and of course, then he had um, a temperature because he had a really bad eye infection, but they couldn't take the chances. So, all of a sudden, we were being tested for coronavirus. Then we were put into an isolation room for 30 hours, two days. And then, thank God, the results came back that he didn't have it. But then we had to go down to the children's ward for, our, I think it was another three nights. So um, with that, then my mum and my brother had to step in. They obviously had to mind his twin, Aaron Rose, at home whilst I was up in the hospital with Fionn. Um, so I came back then and they went home to their own houses and isolated. And I was on my own again with the twins and we were isolating. But then Fionn kind of got sick again. So I had to bring him back up to the hospital. And um, they said they didn't want to admit him again just because with everything going on. So I was able to come home with him and he was on strong medication, but with the strict instruction that if anything was to go wrong again, I had to bring it straight back up and he would be probably hospitalised again. It was horrible. We had a horrible, horrible couple of weeks there. And so with that, then I had to ask my brother, Sean, um, to move in with me because PJ, I couldn't be in the house on my own. If he got sick again, I'd have nobody to watch Aaron Rose, you know. It was, very, it was in a tough situation. Yeah. Now, at that stage, he was out of work anyway, three weeks. He was isolated. And my kids were asked to be tested for the coronavirus. So we were a small bit, a bit safer than anyone else, I suppose, you know. But I just needed somebody in the house just in case I had to rush him back up to the hospital, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The other thing, too, and it's, I suppose it's something you, you forget, is yeah. a lot of supermarkets. No, you can't bring a child next no. or near them. So, So how do you shop so with, like, i was really really lucky so i suppose at the first couple of weeks my mom was doing it for me and she was just leaving at the doorstep or sean would do it and he'd leave it at the doorstep for me and then um when sean now is after moving in with me i may have to get out myself because i did listen to other parents and i have spoken to other single parents who actually have to bring their children which is really really sad because they have nobody and my heart breaks for them yeah. and i completely understand why they have to bring their kids and they're saying they get awful shock and looks in supermarkets which is sad well sometimes um, they don't even get into the supermarket let alone get looks inside they can't even get in you see that's it like and like I was chatting to this woman and she had four kids and like she has nobody her husband was after passing away and she actually has to bring her four children so um and she said that she's getting awful looks and then I heard of another woman and she has to leave her child with the security guard 
So, and that she runs in and does her few bits in the supermarket. But I'm lucky that I have Sean um, because I suppose I couldn't bring my two PJ because they wouldn't understand. Do not touch anything. You know, because, you know, the two, they're running around the place and they hardly sit in trolley for me. So um, I'm lucky that he's there and he'll keep an eye on them and I run down to Dunn's then and I do my bit I, of a shot. I, 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 I have had two two-and-a-half-year-olds, Julie. I, yeah. I, <laughs> my, I know. My, my heart goes no. out. It was a long time ago. My heart goes out. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. But look, there's light at the end of the tunnel anyway. Do you know, please and you, as always, you're very positive about it. And I suppose your, your granddad's recovery is, is the biggest element of it all. But it, she's poor old Fionn. Is he all right now? He's much better, yeah. So he had cellulitis in the eye and it was very swollen. He couldn't even open the, his poor eye. He was really sore. Very, very sore. It was frightening because he woke up. He was doing fine. He just, do you know what it was, Peter? It was that little mild thing, conjunctivitis. Yeah. And it just turned into cellulitis. So it was really, really bad. And it was all down his face, a bit of a rash. Couldn't open his eye. And then we were up in the hospital. And I can't thank the girls again up there in the CUH um, enough for what they've done for Fiona. They were absolutely fantastic. And like when we were in the isolation ward, as you could imagine, the doctors and nurses were coming in and they're all gowned up and I was frightened myself. You know, you'd be taken back because you can't even see their faces. Yeah. So could you imagine a little two-year-old? And I remember this nurse in particular, she was gowned up but all her gowns and her face masks were yellow and she was pretending she was a duck. Do you know, it was just so, so lovely. They're just fantastic up there. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We forget that, of course. And, you know, I was talking to Dave last week who who has now recovered from the virus, but he was in that position as well, where they were coming into him, done up like something from outer space. Like, yeah. for, a, for, for a child, that's terrifying in itself. But I know the, they always try and make it, they, bring, they make it relative to the little, the little kid, don't they? I like as I said now that this particular nurse came in, I couldn't see her face. Like if she passed me here in the street, I wouldn't even know her because she was so gowned up and it was all yellow. But she was pretending then she was a duck and quacking to Fiona. And ah, your brilliant. Fiona was lovely ah, then, brilliant. you know. It was brilliant. And um, like when we were in the isolation ward, then they were like knocking at the door and they'd leave our food at the door and have to walk away. It was very scary. Like and for a child, like I could imagine what he was thinking. But they made they made it so lovely for him, you know. Good, good, all right. Well, listen, I'm glad that everyone is, is, is holding up well. And Thank great, you, great as always, to chat with you. And, and you, PJ, and keep safe. And best to the lads, and best to your granddad, and best to you. All right, my love. It's lovely chatting to you. You too, you too. Thank Take you. care. That's Julie Jane, as uh, twins and me on, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and to whoever that nurse is who is above in the children's ward at CUH and has got all yellow kit and to go into the isolation wards and is quacking like a little duck. You are an absolute legend, whoever you are. 1850 Deirdre says that my husband's in the Navy. I have no choice to bring, but to bring my kids with me to go shopping. I go once a week and... It looks the looks I'm getting are awful. I'm literally going to Aldi and back home. Paul on Twitter, try that and doing your job at the same time. I mind the smallie during the day and then do actual progressive work at night. Con says it must be crazy for parents with kids that age. And Mags says I follow Julie on Instagram and she's genuinely is a fantastic mom. Her kids are credit to her and she's great fun. She's always great fun to chat to on the show. Uh, Sandra says, as a person who contracted the coronavirus, it wasn't and isn't all about high temperature. It can be a low temperature too, but no one seems to be saying this. I had a temperature of 34 and, of course, many more symptoms, but no one wanted to test me. 
So I lied about my temperature. I said it was high. And therefore, I got, I had it. Now, Michael was on the phone when I started talking about Julie and her granddad. Uh, Michael says, PJ, you were almost disappointed Julie had a positive story. You need to be more positive. You're like the Grim Reaper. There's hope in everybody and we can't live in negativity. We must be positive and give hope to everybody. It's like a ship. The high tide raises all boats and we have responsibility to lift people who are at home and fearful, lonely, dependent, despondent and desperate. Michael, do you even listen? We put something fun, something light into every show. You either might have missed it this morning. Did you not enjoy my conversation with Julie? After the news? Give over. But there's something else as well. And it's this. There's a place in every show for positivity. There's a place in every show for something uplifting. There's a place in every show for a smile. But we also have to keep our hands on the tiller and remember this is very serious and we can't let people relax from it. You can't relax from it because if you relax from it, people will start going out and doing stupid things and we'll flare up again. Couple of weeks ago, you'd remember I spoke to Philip O'Connor uh, in Sweden because Sweden is taking a very different approach to the rest of Europe. And we won't know for a while whether they know something we don't or whether they're taking a massive gamble and a gamble that just might blow up in their faces. Their program, their tackling of coronavirus there is being led by a man called Anders Tegnell who is their state immunologist and a, a very eminent individual and he has a whole different way in how to approach it and he believes in trying to build what they call herd immunity you've heard that term in the news basically where so many people have been infected that it confers a kind of an immunity on the community it takes a long time to achieve it and very risky to achieve it but uh, Dr. Andres Tegnell has not imposed any major lockdown in Sweden he's like they have cancelled soccer and they've closed universities restaurants, cinemas but, but pubs and shops remain open, as do a lot of restaurants. They have a very aggressive testing regime going on in Sweden, and they're taking a big chance on it. And now his latest claim is that they could have a level of herd immunity by next month. 
they have uh, 1,500 deaths in Sweden at the moment, uh, 13,800 cases. But you remember the figure we gave you a few weeks ago when we were starting to do the figures every day, the deaths per million. Their deaths per million there is about 150, 1,500 people dead, 10 million. So their deaths per million is about 150. That's in between us and the UK at this stage. So they're doing something right or they're taking a massive gamble one we watch with particular interest. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid theory, the herd immunity, but it's a very risky one. Very, very risky one, but interesting to see the update. He thinks now, this Mr. Tegnell, thinks now that Sweden could have a level of herd immunity by next month. 1850-715-996. Speaking of other parts of the world, uh, we were talking last week to Cassie and Caroline and Kira three young women who all work in the bar trade in New York, bar and restaurant trade, and they're all living over there for, I think, six, seven and eight years. They're out of work now. They've all been furloughed from their jobs. But uh, they're getting looked after. Their rent and their landlords have been good to them. But they came up with an idea to gather uh, PPE from the bar and restaurant trade and provide it for the front line in New York and they've got massive success and I was chatting with them on the phone uh, last week and let me take another look at New York because New York is so bad like it's dreadful massive death toll massive number of cases and it seems to be almost entirely out of control and it's in complete lockdown and um, I said I'd take an opportunity over the weekend to catch up on Skype with our old buddy the Gabby Cabby Peter Franklin because nobody knows more about New York and about the goings-on there than the Gabby Cabby. So we had a little catch-up over the weekend. Peter, it's always a pleasure to visit you on the mean streets of the Big Apple, but at the moment, they're such quiet streets. It's like another planet. Oh, it is. It's a, you know, I get the feeling, didn't, isn't this a science fiction movie you and I went to see once? Yeah. You know, where you walk along on the street and it's all deserted. And you know the thing that stands out the most that I've been telling people about is that New York is a very noisy place. But it's like a mixture of noises, beep, beep, honk, honk, sirens, what have you. Yeah. Now it's so quiet that you can hear each individual noise. So in other words, if there's a bus going by, you'll hear the bus. If there's an ambulance going by, you'll hear the ambulance. So you don't have that rhythm, that noise. And of course, it's not very safe being on the streets, especially late at night or in the early hours of the morning, because the thing about New York is that we were always people on the streets. Yeah. So the chances of getting robbed or mugged are, you know, highly remote. And that's why we always had such a low crime rate. Not anymore. Now it's like a bunch of zombies. You've had to, you've had to shut down the cab, haven't you? Oh, absolutely, completely. And what really added insult to injury is we also do a lot of tours and we had to, and we're still in the process of refunding money to all the people who we canceled because, I mean, it wasn't, we weren't going to rip them off, but that, you know, and the hotels are empty. You know, I'm a proponent of New York. I'm the first one to tell you what a wonderful place is. I'll give you a very good example. Ask me if you should come to New York. Just say, Peter, should I come to New York? Should I come to New York, Peter? I've been there before. Should I come again? What are you, nuts? Really? I mean, that's it. And that's me saying that because it's really, it's, I wouldn't say I'm not afraid to go and walk on the streets, but it's creepy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's like when 9-11, I remember when 9-11 happened and I went down to that area 
and I saw the wreckage and everything, and I said to myself, this is not for real. And I kind of walked around, you know, made a complete about face in a circle, expecting that when I came back around, it would be all back the way it should be. That's the same kind of feeling that I have now, that if I leave, I'm in the garage right now. If I'm in the garage, I can go outside on the street, and it's all going to be beep, beep, honk, honk, and this is just a dream, and you're a dream. You're just some guy in a phone booth calling me from Ireland. Now, we watch President Trump, his daily briefings as to how he's handling it, and I've talked to you before about he's a wise-ass New Yorker, and we should never forget that, and we should try to filter everything he says through that filter. But even now, with that in mind, Peter, he seems to be a guy surrounded by some of the best advisors in the business and just completely ignoring them and doing his own thing. Yeah, well, that's not going to change because they tried to get him out once and it didn't work, and now they're not going to try to do it again. They're going to try and beat him at the election. Listen, it, it's divided right up the middle. Half the people love him, half the people hate him. Yeah. But it's not having any really profound effect on the day-to-day -day stuff because the financial people are doing what they can. You know, they've given out money to everybody in the United States, which is quite a mean thing. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i saying that sarcastically because it gives them a little money and a little relief, but it's not going to last long. Yeah. Each person has gotten uh, 1400 bucks, but, you know, as everybody knows and your nice listeners know, how long is that going to last? And he has very good medical advisors. They've become, you know, really the people who are kind of controlling the whole thing. So in a way, I wouldn't say he's inconsequential, but he's not really the focal point. It's what's going on in the totality of the whole thing. There's a Dr. Fauci who's advising him. Yeah, he's been around forever. He, yeah, he's one of the most eminent in the world at what he does. And I thought at one point this week that President Trump was going to fire him. Well, I mean, they, you know, he has an opinion and he's giving a medical opinion and the, the, the press keeps trying to suck him into making uh, media-type statements and he's being very clever not. Uh, that was the rumor that was going around, but I don't think that's going to happen. And then also there's that lady, Deborah uh, Burks. You know, it's a funny kind of a thing. It's become like a, a sitcom that we're all watching. Yeah, which isn't very funny. No, it isn't. I mean, it really isn't. And the people that and it breaks my heart is that, you know, my circle of friends, people I know in industry and business, we got some bucks in the bank. We weren't living from day to day. But you know, the great percentage of people are living from day to day. And if all of a sudden you find that you get absolutely no income at all, which basically is what's going on, no place to buy food, even if you could. I mean, some of the things the city has been doing, which I'm very proud of, is that anybody can go into a school in New York City and get food for nothing, and which I think is a very, very important thing. They're not asking for any ID or any registration. You show up and you want some food, you got it. The theory being, you need the food, give it to the guy. What are you going to do, have him fill out a form? So that's helping. The money the government's giving out is helping. But it's a disastrous mess. It really is. And it's a little bit frightening, I think, the prospect of trying to return to normal if and when this is under control. We tell ourselves, we repeat into the mirror, this will be okay we will fix this. We don't know when, we don't know how, and that's scary. Definitely, it absolutely is. And remember, you're talking to a guy in New York where the problems is really compounded because this is not Cheyenne, Wyoming. You know, we got eight and a half million people at the greater New York City area. We got 30 million people who basically are doing what I'm doing is sitting in my house. 
I have been sitting in my apartment for, uh, <laughs> I've lost track of the time. The highlight of the day is when my wife makes food. And by the way, everybody's doing that. That's become the new rage because you can't go out. You can't get any food. Everybody is cooking. And as a matter of fact, just to make a very quick plug here, my wife has a website. She's not selling anything, so don't anybody get nervous. She, how to cook if you have a gluten intolerance. You know, there's some people who can't get along with gluten and lactate in their milk. So she has a website in which she's telling people how to cook in the house. And she's getting tons and tons of people coming to it as all the websites because of the cooking. What else can you do? It's either that or sex, right? <laughs> yeah. Getting back to, to the possible winding down of, of lockdown and what, what President Trump has been saying, he's now leaving it to the individual governors but he already seems to be battling with all the individual governors. Yeah, well, the, part of the complications, that's the system, and you can blame it on the Brits, and I'll tell you why. When they set up this country in the beginning, they were always very much afraid that somebody could come along and be king and take it over. So to counteract that, George Washington and his buddies set up this system of having states and federal government. And so there's always a conflict between who's going to do what. In this particular case, Trump is telling the states to do certain things, and they're saying, okay, we'll do it, but we don't have the money to do it. So that's the battle that's going on right now. But see, that's something else we can all blame the Brits for. I was talking to some uh, Irish people who work in New York, actually, and they're helping to get uh, PPE, protective equipment, for the hospitals. And, and, and they were saying that Governor Cuomo, they're really happy with him. Are you, as a native New Yorker, are you happy with him? Well, i got to tell you something. You know how they say often in life people come up to the job? And in his particular case, if you had asked me that question about... Uh, four months ago, I would have said he's a dope, he's a moron, he's ridiculous, he's absurd, and he's probably a crook. But now, throughout this, he has just shined, and, and the running gag with Cuomo is, who's that guy on television? He looks familiar. Who is he? Yeah. By the way, you know who's really been screwed on this, too? Uh, Irish people. Because, you know, the summer is coming up. Yeah. And during summertime, New York turns Irish because of all the people that come over here to work on the resorts, the hotels, the bars, the restaurants. That the entire segment of your population has gotten really screwed on this deal also. And we have no idea when we're going to be able to do that again. That's right. So there goes summertime in New York. But remember, the reason, partly other than the fact that I'm sophisticated, urbane, and charming, is New York is a very unique situation. I mean, it really is. Uh, in the rest of the country, and I have friends in different parts of the country, they're getting along a lot better than we are. It's just the magnitude of this thing is so great. How did it get so out of control in New York, Peter? Well, it's the number of people. It's just, I mean, at its best, it was always a miracle that New York operated anyway with that number of people here in the first place. And yet day after day, week after week, we managed to survive everything, even things like 9-11 and, and wars overseas and what have you. And we're, we're surviving with this one too, but it's, it's, it's a rough, rough thing in New York. Uh, for instance, remember, everybody here uses normally public transportation. You know, in most places, everybody hops into their car and goes someplace. Well, nobody here is driving anymore. Everybody has to take public transportation, which you're afraid to do 
wearing a mask and all of that. And as a matter of fact, what the automobile insurance companies have started doing is they're actually sending money back to people because they're figuring they're not driving their cars. So we got a rebate of 20% so far on the insurance that we carry on the vehicles because we're not driving them. Wow. On another interview I heard you do, Peter, um, and we don't discuss conspiracy theories, we don't. We try not to inflame conspiracy theories, but you discussed one that is out there among New Yorkers, that this wasn't an accident. Right, and, and, and you're going to see, you watch the momentum of it as a news story, uh, that it's going to get bigger and bigger each day. When, when people first started discussing it, the question was, oh, no, it came from some kind of wet market in China and completely accidental. They're now up to the point where they're firmly convinced people in the street and our government, because for the first time the other day, uh, somebody asked uh, Trump a question at the press conference and he used the word retribution, which everybody said, whoa, what does he mean about that? Retribution. Uh, the current theory now, and it's not a wacko theory, it really isn't that it was used or the intention was that this was a weapon that was being developed by China and it just got out of hand. Is that getting traction, Peter? Uh, yeah, a lot of traction, a lot of traction. And it's not against Chinese people. Don't, I don't want anybody to get the impression that we're walking around beating up Chinese people. and that, That's not what's happening. No Chinese person has to be afraid to walk on the streets in New York. We have a huge Chinese population. But no, that's getting more and more uh, traction uh, because people are angry and upset, even if it turns out to be completely wrong. There's no question now that they developed it in the laboratory, and that whole thing about the wet market was a bunch of baloney. As to whether or not they did it intentionally, well, someday we'll find out, I guess. Do you think at any time soon you'll get back in the cab? Oh, I mean, I think eventually, but I think it's going to be a long time. I don't think uh, we're going to be back to the point where I can tell you to come here and visit us again for maybe a year. Well, in the meantime, people can keep up with you on Gabby.com and we'll, we'll mention that cookery website as well. And Peter, uh, be careful, stay safe, and always great to talk to you. And the same to you and yours and everybody listening, and I'm not minimizing your troubles. It's just we're just a bigger deal. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Always great to catch up with uh, Gabby Cabby on the main streets of New York. That's Peter Franklin. Um, yeah, the, actually, the, you, if you go to his Gabby.com website, you'll find the recipes there for gluten-free recipes. They're there, and loads of them. And it's a fun website. It actually is a very funny website, 1850-715-996. we got a couple of things to do. I want to rush through them all. Well, not rush through them, but get through them all. So I'll shut up and go to a break. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open every day for all your solid fuels. Barbecue, gas and charcoal. SolidFuelDepot.ie Everywhere I go, 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 go. There are now even more ways to listen to Cork's 96FM. Tune in on your radio, online, on your mobile. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96FM. Try it now. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. Everywhere I go, Cork's 96FM. Everywhere I go, Cork's 96FM. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Quartz 96 FM. 
Kevin doesn't think I should have brought up that theory about the lab or whatever with, with Peter. I just wanted to do that, Kevin, because, as he said, it's gaining traction. He didn't say whether he believes it or not. He said it's gaining traction with ordinary people on the streets of New York, which is why exactly he was talking to us on the show. I'm not saying I believe it or not either. 1850 Let's check in with one of our uh, Radiothon partners. And sadly, we won't be running Radiothon this May. We've explained why a long time ago because of the COVID-19 restrictions. We had to, uh, to put it aside for one year. Um, so let's check in with one of our uh, regular partners with Radiothon and find out how they're doing through these uh, tough days. And that's Eileen O'Neill at Ark House. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Peter. This is Ellen here. Ellen, Ellen. I beg your pardon. Yeah, Ellen. As I told, yeah. Ellen. Um, uh, it's tough times for everybody. It, it is. It is. But I suppose especially for cancer patients and their families who, who we support, really, um, it's a really frightening time for them. Um, but delighted to say that the, the, the services in Cork, you know, the, the way they have looked after cancer patients, has been fantastic and I think patients are, are a bit more reassured by that um, they're, they're now getting their treatment in, in Brookfield um, there, so that's helping them quite a bit you know um, because anybody with cancer or anybody who's in recovery from cancer have to be particularly careful of their health throughout this virus absolutely absolutely and I mean it's, it's a really difficult time for them because they, they have to isolate um, and very often from their own families, uh, which is really, really difficult uh, for them. So we we have our telephone line is is there on four two seven double six double eight, and we're also doing some online stuff with meditation. There's some links on our website that people can go to at www.cancersupport.ie. And uh, we have links there for audios in uh, Pilates, relaxation and Tai Chi. But also we do one-to-one sessions on Zoom. So I think that has proved really successful for them because I suppose people feeling very isolated uh, when they see another face and and we can do counselling one-to-one on Zoom. So that has been fantastic. Um, So the technology has has helped people. and I suppose the big thing is for people not to feel alone, and especially for people who are bereaved as well. It's a really tough time. Yeah. Um, really, really tough time for them. Can people um, access your centres? Because that's going to be a big problem, no. isn't it, with social distancing? Yeah. No, we, we our centres, obviously, we all, we all closed in the shutdown, but I suppose we remained open and we're all working uh, from home. And the phone lines are open. The, as I say, we're supporting people through phone and through online stuff. Um, but it's proving like people are really getting their heads around this and we're helping them to download the different things that can, can help them to see, you know, face-to-face stuff. Mm. Um, I think that's really helping people who are isolated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're you're, you're there to really chat if you're needed. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. We're there to support them because um, it's a really tough time, and especially anyone who has a someone who's very ill at this time yeah. in hospice. That's really, really difficult for them, um, and the hospice are doing amazing stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose for the families at home, 
it's they're 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 at home and feeling kind of helpless and and a bit lost and it's a really really difficult and and afraid as well absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so it's um it's a tough time but hopefully we'll be all coming out the other end hopefully whenever that happens we will we will we know we will but when is the question we will how can people how can you guys be contacted if anybody needs help so our number is four two seven double six double eight, and that will we have a couple of mobiles diverted onto that, so there'll always be someone to answer the call. And you can also email us at info at corkcancersupport.ie, and our website also has um, a lot of live sessions happening weekly. This week we every weekly we do a live meditation hour at half past eleven on a Wednesday. Um, so if you go on our Facebook page, you'll see that. And uh, we're also starting ukulele sessions this Thursday for <laughs> beginners, just for that sense of something light happening for people. Because I think it can ukulele. be a very <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yes. So, um, yeah, um, we, we got the really kind offer of it and we decided, yeah, let's go with it. Why not? Why not? Give it a, 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 give it a yeah. bash. Give it a bash. Yeah, Listen, yeah, continue yeah. continue as best you can with the incredible work that you continue to do. That's Ellen O'Neill at Ark House. Uh, 021-427-6688 is their number. 021-427-6688. Thanks, Ellen. 1850-715-996. Ark House or Fab says, Con, help me over a period of years and I'll always be grateful to them. Another rumour that keeps circulating about this COVID-19 and its transmissibility and what is a vector and what isn't. Your dog or your cat, but particularly your dog. Can you get coronavirus off your dog? Can your dog transmit coronavirus, take it out of your house into somebody else's house? Dogs themselves and cats themselves are unaffected by this. But what about your own dog at home? And people are a bit worried about that. And they're reading stuff in the papers and they don't know what to believe and don't know what not to believe. And from, day, from time to time, the, the opinion seems to change. Dr. Adele Gray is a vet for FluentWoof.com. Adele, good morning. Good morning. How's things? Great altogether. What is the, the science as we speak? I have two lovable idiots that, that I share my house with. No, I, I mean my dogs, not my, not my kids. Um, like, are, are, are dogs a danger as spreaders of this virus? Currently, we don't have any evidence on that um, because we've just had a few very small amount of animals that have tested positive, but we haven't had any, any that have transferred it on, and we think it's extremely unlikely. Mm. Now, I take it that giving the dog the occasional wash help yeah um washing your dog is fine um and you know making sure after after you go out for a walk that you wipe them down with um with a pet safe antibacterial or anti um antiviral alcohol wipe or something like that mm. um i have seen a lot of places uh people saying that the alcohol wipes are to- are poisonous to dogs but a small amount of alcohol if they lick it off their fur it's not poisonous okay now 
they're also behaving a little differently at the moment because we're around mm. when they don't expect us to be. Now, m- now my, my concern would be like that when I, when I come home in the afternoon, my dog freaks out as if I've been away for a month. That's how they respond. But when all this is over and the house is empty again, how will we get them used to that? Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult thing. What I've been advising clients is to try and spend a little time each day where they've put the dog in wherever they usually keep them when they're on ho- when they're away um, at work or something. So if they usually keep them in the kitchen, go out of the kitchen, lock them in that room, and you know, kind of give them time where they learn that oh, I'm not with you all the time. That you're going to be away from me, and it's okay. You'll come back. Yeah. Because 20 minutes and 20 hours are the same to a dog, aren't they? Exactly, exactly. So even if you're only doing it for 20 minutes up to an hour, they will get, they'll kind of get used to that. Yeah, because what's very funny is even when you walk up to the shop now, one of my lads in particular, you're only gone for 15 minutes and it's like you've been gone for a week. That's because they have no concept of time. No, they have no concept. As far as they're concerned, you've gone and you've gone forever and then all of a sudden you're back. If I need a vet uh, during this lockdown situation, can I can I get one? Are clinics open? What's the story? Uh, some clinics have closed their actual clinic. Some clinics have remained open. It really depends on the practice. Um, most practices are really working on an emergency-only basis. So routine procedures like spays and castrations and those kind of things aren't being done at the moment. Um, it's only really if you've got a sick pest that you need to see the vet that you can um, that you can go. Yeah. If I have, if people have to cocoon, how do they exercise their dog? The best thing is if you've got a garden to play some games with them in the garden. Obviously, that's not possible for everybody. Um, ideally, then, if you could have somebody to take them for a walk for you while maintaining significant amount of social distancing so that you're not, if you're a cocooned person, that you're not being exposed to the person who's, who's walking your dog. So it could be a family member or professional dog walkers, or there are some people in areas who are just volunteering to do it for, for people in the area. Just make sure that whoever's doing it has their own leash and they wipe the dog down before and after they return it to you and that you wash your hands and wipe the dog before it comes to you. Yeah. Kevin has a question. You mentioned the alcohol wipes and all that. What about hand sanitizer? We're using a lot of it. Is it dangerous to dogs? No, hand sanitizer contains alcohol in it, so it's not um, what a lot of people have said that it contains ethylene glycol. It doesn't contain ethylene glycol, it just contains alcohol. While it's not great for them, um, its small amounts are non-toxic to them. All right. Okay. Listen, Adele, thank you for that. That's uh, Adele, Dr. Adele Gray, who's a vet and a veterinary consultant for FluentWoof.com. I'm sure you can find plenty of information on their website, FluentWoof.com. Great name. And you don't have to worry about your dog transmitting the virus. There is no good science to suggest that they can. None. Keep them clean. Give them the odd wash. Make sure they can't. Wipe their paws after out for a walk, which you should probably be doing anyway. And wash your hands after you handle your dog, which you should be doing anyway. But nothing to worry about other than that. 1850-715-996. Now, down in Kinsale, they've got a local volunteer group going to get people through the COVID-19 crisis. Fiona Dyer, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good, good. Kinsale, one of my favourite places in the world. Gutted I can't get there at the moment. Uh, but you've got a nice little local community 
operation going? We have. Um, it initially started off about five weeks ago with um, just a list of volunteers, and we had 30, which grew to over 80. Um, and then the morning after the first restrictions were uh, put up, I was in bed looking at Facebook and I saw this little, had this iCloud trolley and I thought, oh, look, I'll just post that and think, look, maybe Super Value can do something like that. Um, and it's amazing. Never thought it would go to what it is now. We have um, a GoFundMe set up. We've had donations from Eli Lilly, from a local man, Teddy O'Brien, who gave a thousand euro, which meant that we could start doing it. So we're delivering care packs at the weekends. So that's grown from 55 the first week. We had over 80 of them now this Saturday, but we also have the restaurants, um, which started with Finn's Table offering to do meals on a Saturday. So now the Good Food Circle have come on board and there's five more restaurants that's been sponsored by them. So we delivered over 70 meals this Saturday plus another 80 care packs to all the older people that are cocooning. And every day we're getting messages and phone calls to add people to the list. So we're trying to get to everybody as much as we can. And we have, like, the volunteers are amazing and the guards are fantastic. So they're delivering to people who are a little bit more remote that, you know, older people can be nervous and they may not know somebody calling. So we're trying to, you know, keep to the same people delivering every week, you know. And then when someone gets to know them, you know, it, it's important that they don't feel that they're threatened by somebody calling to the door. But they're so delighted. Yeah. Um, we're getting responses back and people saying it's like winning the lottery that somebody thought, sorry, that somebody thought about us. Yeah. Um, and it really is, you know, it, it started off as something very small and we keep saying it's something small, but I know the people receiving it, it's something fantastic. It's huge to them. It is, and we, we just want to try and reach out to anybody who never got a volunteer list and we you know we try to reach out we've sent out 2,000 flyers but we have had cases that we've hearing back of older people cocooning for six weeks and running out of food and people locked in their houses because they've lost or misplaced their keys and you can imagine an older person who you know maybe they're in the very early stages of dementia where nobody thinks that it's happening and then you know when they're on their own and they've no interaction then that situation can grow um, and we just want to reach out on the radio saying you're not alone there's somebody there you know, ring the guard station in Kinsale, they'll pass it on to us or they'll take it to you and we'll make sure you're looked after. Yeah. Is, how can you be contacted if someone's listening to us if now? If someone's say- listening to us now, they, there is um, on the Facebook pages, but again, I want to reach out to especially the people who don't have that. So if they ring the Cork County Council number on the 1-800-805-819 and also the Kinsale Guardi are 477-2302, they will take the calls and they will field it back to us. And everybody, you know, you, you can be guaranteed there is nobody going to come to you unless it's one of us. And we all have ID badges. We're all wearing gloves. We're, you know, we're following every, everything that we should be following. Um, and, you know, people are walking dogs for elderly. If you need your grass cut and you have a side entrance, somebody can come with their own lawnmower and cut your grass. Okay. Like we have so many people willing to help. And we just want to make sure that there's nobody feeling that they're a burden or that they're alone. We're there to help, and we really want to help as many people as we possibly can. And if there's anyone out there who knows of somebody who needs this help, please get in touch with us. Yeah. And that's that's actually the community call number, if you like, it in is, yeah. in action here, because yeah. that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to, I would call the council, they would reach out to you. That's how it's supposed to and work. And that's how it's supposed to work. If people you know can't get in touch with one of us, or they're unsure, or they don't know anybody on the list then, you know, please make sure you contact somebody or, you know, contact your neighbour, get them to contact us. There's no problem. Okay. You know, um, we're there. We want to help. We're willing to help. And we just want to just, you know, say a general thank you to the community and the businesses in Kinsale who have just been absolutely fantastic because there is nobody not touched by this, PJ. No. It's affecting every single person. Um, and it's very important that, you know, it, now is the time to be kind and look after everybody, especially those who are on their own or completely in isolation or anybody vulnerable, you know, 
we will handle it. And it's, it's you know, it, it can be in complete confidence. Nobody needs to know they're getting anything. Or, you know, if you know, some people are very proud. There's no problem. I mean, this is done in confidence. And, we're, you know, everybody is just so appreciative. And we're just so grateful for all the help that we're getting. Okay. And we just want to reach out and hopefully look some other towns. And I know that it's starting to spread like that. That this is an easy thing to do. Um, you know, and it's just everybody wants to help out. Okay, I'll leave it there for now. Okay, Fiona. that's great. Th- Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Fiona Dyer from the Conceal uh, Volunteer Group. If you need them, that's what the community call is about. You call the Cork County Council number 1800 805 819. They will put you in touch. Yeah, for the dogs, it can only be alcohol wipes. Other disinfectants can harm dogs. Thanks for that one, Fergal. That's it. We're done and dusted. See you tomorrow just after nine. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.